1: Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a
0: straight-up screamer!
2: Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.
3: How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: off with a bit of Dave Matthews, the Dave Matthews band. Gee, I saw them live in Connecticut once. Um, don't remember much of it, but it was a great concert, and uh, they have about 50 people on stage. Uh, violins, drums, they have about three drummers, a whole bunch of um, trumpets, horns, and uh, Dave Matthews himself. Uh, it was epic. Um, Friday, it's a Friday morning, 25th of March. Um, sad news this morning with uh, Kenny McFadden passing away. He is a legend of basketball in New Zealand. Um, you speak to anyone who's been involved in the game, uh, whether it's coaching, playing, uh, watching, and they'll tell you that Kenny McFadden is uh, one of the most influential people in New Zealand basketball. Uh, mentor to Stephen Adams, of course, um, but people from the Wellington region will remember him for his uh, four titles and that buzzer beater. I think it was in 85, was it? The buzzer beater in 85? Um We'd love to get your memories of of Kenny McFadden if you ever met the guy, or if you ever, um, you know, were were tutored or coached by him. Give us a text on the timberbed post text machine double eight double three. But uh, Sammy Hewitt filling in for Smithy uh, this morning, taking you through until twelve o'clock. Got a very busy show for you today. Uh, Smithy's going to join us very shortly. You can't be doing Smithy's show and not speak to Smithy. Um, so he's going to come on talk about cricket this weekend. Lots of cricket on. I was saying to the guys out in the office, it feels weird that was three weeks into four weeks into super rugby three weeks into the nrl feels like winter yet we've got pretty much every international cricket team playing some sort of series plus a women's world cup so we're going to talk to smithy about cricket um casey frank is going to come on the show to talk about uh kenny mcfadden uh, and his influence on the game uh formula one of course we're talking formula one you've got me in the chair we're talking formula one uh jetta the second weekend of the 2022 Formula 1 season this weekend. Uh, and if you watch Bahrain, you'll know that we are we are in for an absolute treat with Jeddah this weekend because there's a lot of stories to follow. Red Bull, are they going to bounce back? Haas, are they going to stay in the top 10? What's happening to McLaren? We'll ask uh, Luke Smith, a Formula 1 reporter for Autosport and the New York Times uh, later on this hour. Justin Morgan out of the Warriors, the Warriors assistant coach. Uh, he's going to join us to talk... The game tonight against the West Tigers in Campbelltown. If last night was anything to go by, we could be in for a monsoon. And when you're in for a monsoon, you're in for some pretty uh, rugged rugby league. So uh, Justin Morgan's going to talk to us. And uh, the panel today, Ollie Ritchie out of News Hub and a radio legend in my mind. Uh, Hayden O'Neill, you'll recognise that name. Uh, He was at Radio Sport for a number of years as a producer for Martin Devlin, amongst others. Haydos, going to join us on the panel this morning. I cannot wait for that. We're also going to talk some football with Chris Milicich. We'll do some harness racing. Sorry, some greyhound racing and some harness racing with Mick. Guerin. that's all coming up on a very, very busy 9 to 12. Like I said, you can call us, sorry, text us anytime on double eight double three. You can call us if you want, 0800-150. 8.11, 11, uh, but we're going to kick the show off uh, talking with uh, Smithy Ian Smith, the man who, uh, well, this is his show really. I'm just, uh, I'm merely filling in and trying to do my best. Uh, but Smithy joins us on the line now. Morning, Smithy.
6: Hey Sammy, doing a great job, mate. By the way, no, don't worry about that filling in for mate. You're an entity in your own right, <laughs>
5: Smithy. I've uh, I-, I thought after doing staff show, you know, got got a few written warnings uh, that that was the end of it, but no, they've uh, slotted me in, so they're clearly desperate. Uh, but here we are, <laughs> <laughs> Smithy. Um, I was just mentioned. I was just mentioning before we we're-, we're sort of well underway in Super Rugby NRLs into round three. It sort of feels weird that there's so much cricket going on. We've got basically every international team playing uh, in some form of series. And, and a Cricket World Cup, it's a busy, uh, busy calendar at the moment for cricket.
6: Well, it's just global, isn't it? I mean, you know, the fact that we can, we can see a hell of a lot of it beaming in on uh, pictures, particularly on Sky Sport at the moment. There's cricket coming in from just about every domain. So, yeah, you, you kind of feel if you're a, if you're a cricket man um, then or a cricket lady, then you've got everything covered for you. Um, and I, I like it. I, I do like it. You know, you've got this thrilling, absorbing Test series going on in the Caribbean. You've got one going on in Pakistan, and you've got this World Cup. You've got the back Caps saying goodbye to their season, and then all of a sudden, starting again in the IPL. So, it's, it's, hey man, it's never ending. Uh, and and you know, we're lucky to we can see so much of it. I suppose.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'm loving it, Smithy. Um, just letting everyone know, it's uh, England are 141 for nine uh, in the third test against the West Indies at the moment. Uh, I'll keep you updated throughout the day. Let's start with the uh, with the World Cup. Smithy, obviously the White Ferns have their final game uh, tomorrow against Pakistan. They're all but out of the tournament. I haven't quite done the calculations, but they probably have to win by about 300 to make up the run rate difference. I know it's a bit early for a, for a post-mortem, but how disappointed um, should New Zealand cricket fans be with their performance over the last few weeks?
6: Massively. Massively disappointed, um, as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, it's not like they've been uh, anywhere near their best, and, and that's what you've got to be at World Cup time, particularly uh, I think when you're hosting it, there's a lot of pressure on you to, to do well in front of your own fans, the fans that have been allowed to be there. The shame is now that the fans can come, they won't be there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I, I just... I can't see them getting in. I, I've done all the calculations myself, and the fact of the matter is that they're gone, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I think uh, the, the interesting thing will be who, who makes up the top four without them, and, and in what order, because uh, you, don't, you just do not want to finish fourth in that uh, of the top four. Better than missing out, I suppose, but if, you, if you're fourth, you face Australia. And that's almost a, mm.
7: uh,
6: a fait accompli, the way they're playing at the moment. So you, you want to try and slot into either second or third, and if you can do that. Uh, and that's where England are trucking, actually. And I, I quite like England to be this side that gives Australia the biggest test. I won't say they beat them, but I think they're the ones... If I go back to the very early in the tournament, um, Australia got 300 at Hamilton, and, uh, and England got 300 chasing, and it was a very close game, I think. At their best thing, they're the best cricket team to challenge Australia.
5: Yeah, and remarkable considering how they started the uh, the tournament. People sort of, you know, they, I think they were 0-3 to start, so they've, they've turned it around brilliantly. Smitty, the, the World Cup will end and, uh, you know, there's probably going to be some sort of review, I guess, into the White Ferns campaign and what went wrong. Things will start yep. to come out. Who who do you think is, is probably going to be in the firing line? Is it going to be the players? Is it going to be Bob Carter? Is it going to be the management? Who's going to, you know, be in the firing line out, out of the review?
6: I think the coach is is clearly uh, in the firing line and not, I don't think he can survive. Um, and, and all those people that he's brought in alongside him and their particular roles, they'll go as well. Well, they've got to assess now, if they look at the age of the players, how far out do they start to, to replan? We think, well, there's a Commonwealth Games around the corner, that's this year. Uh, do we start planning uh, and strategising for the future straight away? How much importance do we put on uh, the Commonwealth Games as such? How many of our players want to play in that? And then that's where you're going to start looking at depth sam how how where are the where's it coming from where Where are these logical replacements and the new brand coming from the new breed coming from? Well, I've got to be coming from uh, New Zealand's women's Super Smash and the Halliburton Johnson that's the only place they can come from and have we got the players there at the moment uh, they've got to ease in and give us credibility before they start to give us performance so look I, uh, that's for me. I think the cupboard's pretty bare. From what I'm hearing, mm. What the little bit I've seen, the cupboard's pretty bare, and that's, I think, the alarming thing, so... We might just have to stick in with uh, these players and see if we can get the best out of them from somebody else.
5: Mm. And uh, tomorrow against Pakistan, you know, it, it is a, a dead rubber essentially. I know there is a mathematical chance, but it's essentially a dead rubber. Is, is there, I guess, anything they can do to soften the blow? You know, if they if they put out a commanding performance, it'll it'll help them a little bit. I guess how important is tomorrow's game in that respect?
6: Well, I, I don't really think that you know when when whatever the size of the win is, it'll Soften the blow, really. It shouldn't soften the blow for them. They should be hurting. Uh, so it won't. It won't soften it for me. <clears throat> I think uh, Pakistan have run their race. Uh, you know they, they've had, a, by their own standards, had a relatively poor tournament themselves. And their defining match really was to beat Bangladesh. They couldn't do that. They fluked a win over the West Indies because of a shortened game. They've been very, very disappointing. Pakistan in a lot of areas of the game. They just don't seem to have any batting. I, I mean, if you set Pakistan 170, 180 I'd be very surprised if they can go get it against many attacks in this competition. So, the thoughts of the big scores, the 240 and the 250, are a dream from their point of view. So, we'll beat them. Um, we'll beat them convincingly. And uh, I would imagine one or two of our batters will get very big scores if we bat first. Uh, and, and at the end of it, it's just papering over the cracks for me because you've got to get them against the hard teams, the really hard teams. Mm. And when you look at Devine and Bates and Kerr at the top of the order, weight to a certain degree as well. They just haven't performed against the tougher nations.
5: Mm. Yeah, like I said, there'll be there'll be a post mortem, I'm sure. Uh, probably beginning next week. I know a lot of people will be um, will be keen to have their say, um, Smithy. uh Black Caps they're uh, they're kicking off a series and a tour against the Netherlands tonight. One off T20, which is a bit bizarre, and then uh, and then some ODIs. Um, there's probably no hiding the fact that this isn't going to be a, a big challenge for the Black Caps. But what what are they going to be looking to to get out of these next few games?
6: Well, they're going to look to say goodbye to Ross Taylor. I think that's probably the the country gets a chance at those venues to say goodbye to him. Uh, So that's uh, an important thing for him. 12 of the best players, the Black Caps, that won't be there. So I'm not kind of sure what kind of crowds they're going to get. That'll be an interesting thing. So there's all sorts of variables involved here. There's a new wave of players coming through, which will get an opportunity. (laughs) You can understand. So um, I think uh, there are pluses. Exposure on an international level. Don't quite know how good the Netherlands are. They're a a lower tier nation. They might have one good performance in them, but we should dominate whatever side we front up with.
5: Mm. Yeah, Netherlands are just one of those teams that pretty much no one knows, Smithy. I mean, we're used to seeing you know, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka and those teams coming over for these sorts of series, but the Netherlands, that was a, that was a bit of a curveball. Um, great for them, though. Great for them to come over and play uh, the mm. Black Caps. Um, in, any of the sort of young guys in the squad that we should be keeping our eyes on? I know a few of them you would have been following over the last few seasons. Who should we keep our eyes on? Oh,
6: look, uh, you know, I just think all of them, really. I think they've been gifted an opportunity here um, to, to you know, to play well and and to you know to wear that uniform, albeit in a slightly less precious situation. I'm hoping without nominating any players, I'm just kind of hoping that someone will emerge. Mm. Someone's going to emerge. In. And what you what you look to see from this is you look uh, for players who, so at some stage, are going to put pressure on the incumbents. Um, you know, our last t20 outing, of course, well, a serious one was uh, the final against Australia. You know, so a lot of those players. Deserve another crack. So, that, you know, the, the incumbents probably won't go. But here's an opportunity for some really young kids to start putting some serious uh, statements to the, the selectors and saying, look, we know it might be a year or two, but we're ready if you need to. And, and 100 or, you know, a four wicket bag, a five wicket bag, or consistency throughout the series will go a long way for anyone. I'm not, I'm not really prepared to name individuals. I, I mean, I, I've looked at the series in all honesty and I've just. Really took it as a, as a, a given that we win, uh, and and somewhere sort of a soft farewell to Ross Taylor. I just hope that people turn up.
5: Yeah, no, I'm the same as you, Smithy. At least it's sort of coinciding yeah. with the with the announcement that crowds are coming back because I think that's uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be encouraging. And I just want everyone to you know stand on the bank and give them an ovation and yeah, really send them off in the in the proper way. Um, what games you got over the weekend, Smithy?
6: Right. Okay. So I'm sort of still I'm floating around. Uh, we've had some COVID issues in, uh, amongst our commentators, so we're sort of, what's happening, Sam, was we're sort of floating around, and there's a, 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 school, a school of people sort of prepared to go one way or the next, depending on uh, what happens there, so uh, we have uh, got, uh, over the weekend, I've got New Zealand against Pakistan, and then I, I sit and wait uh, to see if I have to go to Wellington to do a game then, and then... Um, the semi-final draw will be finalised by that point and then we'll find out whether we're involved, I'm not sure whether I will be because New Zealand are out Mm. of the tournament at that point, Uh, and whether I just go back to work on Monday morning mate and normal (laughs) transmission resume so uh, probably on, on air Monday morning, whether it be out of Christchurch here in the studio at Addington or home base.
5: Brilliant, Smithy, it'll be good to have you back mate, thanks, thanks for coming on
6: Yeah, Sammy. All the best, man. Have a great weekend.
5: Thank you, you too. There you go, Uh, Smithy. There and yeah, I want to say hopefully he's back on Monday because that means the White Ferns aren't there, but they're not going to be there. So Smithy should be back on Monday. Normal transmission will resume. And uh, look, I said there's going to be a bit of a post mortem. There will be, and you know I can't wait to hear guys like Smithy, you know, really get stuck into it and and dig to the, I guess the root of the the problem of this White Ferns campaign. We'd love to know what you think on double eight double three, the temper bed post text machine. Um, who, who do you think's in the firing line with this? I mean, the players obviously haven't performed, but is it on the players? Is it on the coach, Bob Carter? Um, you know, is it the people around him? Is it people higher up at New Zealand cricket? Who do you, I guess, uh, lay the lay the blame at here for this, what has been a very disappointing um, Cricket World Cup for the White Ferns and the Black Caps as well uh, against the Netherlands? I mean, do you sort of share Smithy sentiment that, you know the Netherlands. We don't know much about them. Um, there's not that much interest in it, other than the fact that it's Ross Taylor's swan song. Um, are you are you interested at all? Let me know. Double eight, double three. It is eighteen minutes past nine here. We'll be back after this. Welcome back in uh, twenty-three minutes past nine. Sam Hewitt sitting in for Smithy here on uh, mornings. Uh, a couple of texts coming through on double eight, double three. The Timber Beer Post Text Machine. Craig says, uh, Cricket World Cup are the semi-finals one v four. And 2v3 in terms of where the team's finished after the round robin is finished, uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, I think that's how it works. So as Smithy said, you don't want to be the team in fourth that has to play Australia, which at the moment is England. Um, so pretty much every team has one more game to play. The West Indies have played all of their seven, uh, but pretty much everyone else has one more game to play. Um Australia first on 12 points, they're 6 from 6. South Africa second on 9, uh, they've lost 1, won 4, drawn 1. Obviously, I think it was rained out, wasn't it? So that's their 6 matches. West Indies on 7 points in 3rd, 3 wins, 3 losses and a draw. And England are 6 points, 3 wins from 3. India, 6 points, 3 wins from 3. India and England are actually very, very close on net run rate. It's only 0.01 in it, uh, which you can make up over the course of a match. Um, so and who are they playing next I'm just going to have a quick look at that Um, and New Zealand is on four points so not only do they have to leapfrog India but they then have to sort of replace England and I just don't think that's going to happen given um, our net run rate is in the negatives and those other teams are in the positives Um, so I'd say almost impossible Um, just seeing what the last game is so Bangladesh playing Australia today that's that's a given for Australia. Um, us, us, Pakistan tomorrow. England, Bangladesh on Sunday and India, South Africa on Sunday. So both England and South Africa, yeah, would are, are battling, I guess, for... Um, sorry, England and India are battling for that fourth spot and whoever wins that will play Australia, but the White Ferns are... Essentially, out of it. Um, Kimberly says, uh, "Sammy, I'm interested in the cricket tonight. It's a good chance to see some more of the new Black Caps and see a team I've never seen in action before." Will will be, will we be hearing your commentary of the Warriors? I was thinking of TV on silent for cricket and wireless up loud for the league. I love it, Kimberly. Unfortunately, not doing the Warriors tonight. That's coming out of Australia. Um, yeah, we're pretty much only going to be doing the Warriors games when they come back to Mount Smart. So we'll be right on the call when they when they return. But hey, why not have the SEN commentary up anyway, Kimberley. While the cricket's on, um, the Black Caps tonight uh, in Napier, I believe, uh, and that kicks kicks off. Not kicking anything 7-10, 10 past seven, they'll be bowling the first ball. Um, New Zealand Netherlands, and look, like I am interested to see some of the young guys in there. And there's a few names that have been included in Black Cap sides recently, but we haven't seen a lot of uh, Ben Sears, that the the bowler, the quick bowler. He, he's um, exciting. Blair Tickner as well, um, Dane Cleaver. Has made his way into the side. Uh, Michael Bracewell is back, of course. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it is going to be interesting to see some of these guys play. But it's the Netherlands. It's cool that the Netherlands are able to play us. I mean, imagine, I don't know, the All Whites playing Brazil. You know, that's that's pretty massive for them. So that's I mean, that's going to be cool to see. Um, and Zay's text uh, in High Sam watched the New Zealand game this morning against New Caledonia. Seven goals to one. Chris scoring a double off the bench. Yep, uh, an absolute pantsing. Uh, the All-Whites over New Caledonia, and they're into the semi-finals of uh, the Oceania qualifiers. They probably are going to make it all the way, given that COVID has um, ruled out a couple of those other teams. And then they're going to have to play the fourth-place team from CONCACAF, which at the moment is Panama. And um, I, I wonder, uh, the Conquercaf, has CONCACAF changed a little bit? Because I remember... Back in the day, um, teams like Mexico were were that sort of fourth, fifth place team. You had Canada, US. I felt like there was a couple of others in there, like uh, maybe some of the South American teams that, um, or like you know the sort of Mid America. Do you know about Logan? Do you know if they changed? I'm, I'm sure they've changed that Concacaf.
0: I mean, I'm just looking at the the uh, standings now for the Concacaf, and you know you've got Canada and USA up the top there. Mexico's third. Yeah. Uh, You've got Costa Rica, El Salvador, Jamaica, and
5: Honduras. Yeah, that's because in the past, we, we've played, the I think, the fifth-ranked team, and the four above them have always been very strong teams. And the fifth, mm. I mean, it's still strong. Like, Mexico, we had to play last time, or Peru. Like, Peru's not there. Yeah. So, obviously, Peru's not there. That's one that isn't there. But Panama, like, I, I reckon Panama's about as good as it gets for us. You know what I mean? Like, a tough team, yeah. but but as good as we're going to get trying to get to a World Cup. It does always feel like a tough road for the all whites going, going that route. Yeah, it really does, and um, we're not going to get to see them like playing in front of you know thirty thousand at Wellington, um, which would lift them. Um, you said before Canada, um, they're at the top. Are they have they qualified? They're, they're in.
0: No, they're, I mean this is going to be huge for the sport in Canada. If they beat Costa Rica today, I believe that game's at three pm New Zealand time. They will make it through to the World Cup for the first time since nineteen eighty six.
5: Wow, I, I almost can't believe that because. I would have thought Canada would have been decent enough at football to make a
0: World Cup. Right? I you mean, you you see how well in the, you know, recent years, like Toronto FC have performed in, in yes. the MLS and stuff. Like Canadian football has grown just probably just like New Zealand football as well. So it is great to see other nations sort of rising up there. I'm just trying to look
5: at the um the the Canadi- there's a couple of guys in that Canadian team, isn't there that um is there a guy who your guy plays in the Premier League. I'm just having a quick look here. Um lineups. Uh, well no no one I can't sort of none of those names jump off the off the sheet but um yeah that's uh, that's great that Canada are that are up towards the top but yeah Panama for us so uh, looking like that's who we're going to play they've still got these eight teams in that CONCACAF um, table and so I'm guessing they'll play each other twice so they're going to play 14 games is it is that 14 games so they've all got a couple of games left but The table's looking pretty good for us. Um, Of course, all the games played over in Qatar. There's no, um, they don't do the sort of home and away thing that they did for the last um, World Cup. So, all over in Qatar. Um, which is good in the fact that it gets them used to the conditions but it's just not great for the fans Uh, we're coming up news very very shortly Um, after 9.30 we're going to chat to Casey Frank who's a a former Tall Black of course and a basketball commentator now on Kenny McFadden who passed away I'd love to get your thoughts if you you met Kenny or if you knew him or if he had an influence on you Um, sadly passing away this morning um, a legend of New Zealand basketball so give me a text on double eight double three, the temper bed post text machine but uh, news is next
4: On a warm summer's evening On a train bound for nowhere I met up with a gambler We were both too tired to sleep So we took turns of staring Out the window at the darkness Till boredom overtook us And he began to
5: speak Rodgers for uh, for Kenny McFadden, a I great man uh, in New Zealand basketball. We'll get a chat to Casey Frank very, very shortly. Just a quick text from Chris who says, Peru is a South American team and Costa Rica and Honduras used to be really good. That's why we played Mexico. It always changes which confederation we play. Now, uh, now it's coming back to me, Chris. Yeah, because we we differ, we go between CONCACAF and what's the other one? There's the other one that Peru and Brazil and all those South American teams are in. So that makes sense. Um, just gotta let you know as well. Uh, we want you to text DC10 to double eight double three DC10 to double eight double three because Dan Carter, the great man. Is uh, we've got one more pass to give away to his kickathon at Eden Park. The Breakfast Boys gave away four of these. We're going to give one more away. Um, you just got to text DC10 to 8833. That's thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Uh, we're just going to get Casey Frank up on the line. Um, so we'll take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Casey Frank about Kenny McFadden.
4: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Two seconds, one!
7: Sure have come
8: so close, only to see the saves in the last few minutes pull away by three points and ecstatic. Kenny McFadden telling the world he's number one. Wow.
5: 1988. That was. That sounds like an NBA game. That was a. That was a national game of the Saints beating uh, North Shore on the North Shore in '88. Kenny McFadden was a part of that. Unfortunately, uh, very sad news this morning that Kenny McFadden um, has passed away. A legend of New Zealand basketball uh, came over in 1982 from America. Joined the Wellington Saints. He won four titles with them. uh, Retired in '96. Turned went to coaching and junior development. Worked with Stephen Adams and a host of others. I'm sure he also worked. uh, alongside our next guest, Casey Frank, former Tall Black and our basketball commentator. Casey, uh, welcome into the show. Uh, a, a very sad day for New Zealand basketball.
2: Yeah, an unfortunate reason to be here, but uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I think certainly when you look around the basketball landscape and you mentioned sort of the the stars that are in that constellation, uh, I think Kenny Mack might be at, at the forefront. And to, to lose him, even though it has been a, a few years where he's had some uh, health issues, it, it, it's a bit of a shock. And I think a uh, a lot of people's lives is going to be sort of missed. Mm.
7: Uh,
5: the, the most obvious, I guess, um, example of someone that Kenny's uh, mentored is Stephen Adams. You know, he's the big superstar over in the NBA. But what's sort of his legacy going to be across New Zealand with, with junior players and, and players that he's coached along the way?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, the... the players that he's coached throughout the years and influenced what back when he was a player before he got into junior program uh, I mean it would be tough to put a number on it it's got to be exponential uh, I mean in hundreds it's not thousands of kids have been influenced by Kenny and you know certainly as you mentioned Stephen Adams being the, the, the forefront at that as the the most famous one but the same lessons that he taught Steve are the lessons he taught thousands of kids and those, those lessons got those kids to a higher level of competition basketball wise but I think you know, most importantly, set the foundation for these kids' lives. And, uh, you know, there's been an outpouring over social media, but uh, I think that those that were hardest hit, it'll be tough for them today because Kenny really had a spot in these young people's lives that uh, was valuable and it will leave an immeasurable hole.
5: I know I've seen Stephen Adams. I think he's. Um Done a, a press conference, or maybe he's written on social media. But he was like a father figure to Stephen Adams, and I, I've heard that um, mentioned a lot amongst some of the other people that have dealt with him. What was he? What was he like for you off off the the court? I guess um, Casey, you know, as as a person and, and a man, you know how yeah how will you remember? him?
2: Oh, I, I love Kenny Mac, man. He, he, he's always got a smile. Always great in the locker room, you know. I uh, he was a coach uh, against me for my. My my initial time here in the league, and then when I went down to Wellington, I had the uh, opportunity to play underneath him as an assistant uh, to Terrell Cameron. And, you know, he's he's just great in the locker room. You know, he's a guy that everyone respects because he understands the game so well. Uh, His ability to, you know, go out there and translate it to other people is great. But he's just effervescent, man. He was bubbly. Always a smile. You always talk to Kenny Mack. You walk away feeling better. And, you know, as a testament to a person, it doesn't get better than that.
5: Yeah, absolutely, Casey. As you mentioned, uh, disappointing circumstances that we're getting you on uh, for today, but really appreciate you coming on, mate, and uh, all the very best and recent in peace, Kenny. He was a great man.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks a lot for uh, l- l- letting me have the time to talk about him. You know, and I would just be remiss to say if I didn't mention that this is uh, he-, he was one of the guys who really brought in modern basketball into New Zealand. You look at Financi Senior, Ronnie Joyner, a few other names I'm missing, but mm. without him, basketball doesn't look anything like it looks like today in New Zealand.
5: Absolutely Casey, uh, thanks heaps for coming on that's Casey Frank their former uh, Tall Black now basketball commentator sharing his thoughts on Kenny McFadden, we'd love to get yours on Double Eight Double Three. if you ever met the man or if he influenced you in any way um, yeah, I had to be um, quick with, with Casey there because we've got to get to another break but all throughout the day we'll be talking about Kenny McFadden because he was just so massive for basketball in New Zealand as Casey mentioned he really did bring um, that sort of American pro style game to um, to New Zealand and, and transformed it um, and you only have to look at guys like Stephen Adams to see where it's all headed um, so rest in peace uh, Kenny Mack uh, we're going to talk some Formula 1 after the break Luke Smith out of Autosport he's going to join us right after this
4: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
5: yep, Coming up 12 minutes away from 10 here on SENZ Sam Hewitt sitting in for Smithy good to talk, uh, talk with Casey Frank uh, about Kenny McFadden the great man um, taken from us the news coming out this morning. Um, we're going to change tech a little bit and talk some Formula 1. The uh, second week of Formula 1 2022 gets underway with the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in Jeddah this weekend. And joining us now, uh, Formula 1 reporter for Autosport and the New York Times. He's a great friend of the station, Luke Smith. He joins us on the line now. Uh, good afternoon, evening to you, Luke.
3: Good evening, Sam. How are you doing? Very well, my friend, very
5: well. Now, um, an opening, a very dramatic opening weekend in Bahrain last week, and uh, I think probably the question everyone wants to know, uh, is Red Bull going to bounce back? Have they have they fixed the problems and will they finish the race this weekend?
3: Well, I mean, that's obviously what Red Bull will be working towards. Uh, the team hasn't really expanded on what the issue was. They had both of its cars. It said that it was something to do uh, with the fuel pump. There's a certain element of that system that's a standard part, so it's not something that's designed by the team itself, but it's not really been specified what exactly it was that, uh, that went wrong with the, f- with the fuel pump and the fuel system, but Red Bull, yeah, they, they think that they've got a fix sorted for this weekend. So they will be able to hopefully go through the weekend without any of the issues coming up again, because the car is clearly quick. Like they had a, a pretty mm-hmm. close fight with Ferrari. There wasn't much between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, uh, throughout much of that race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, to lose uh, a nailed on second and fourth place, and come away with zero points. That was a really tough way for them to start their year. So, uh, yeah, I think Red Bull will be very eager to bounce back and make up for it this weekend.
5: There were, obviously, a number of surprises last weekend, not not least Red Bull. Obviously, Mercedes do, doing as well as they did. Kevin Magnussen from Haas uh, in the top five. Valtteri Bottas impressing for his new team. Uh, who who do you think might get pulled back down to reality this weekend? Is there is there a team or a driver who you think may have overperformed in Bahrain who might just get a bit of a reality check this weekend?
3: I think I think the thing to bear in mind is that there's only a one-week break between these two races. So there's not really a lot that teams can do in terms of uh, new parts or any upgrades or anything like that. And because these cars are so new, basically every new part that teams bring is going to be worth pro- probably uh, more performance than it would have been in previous years. But it's it's very, very tight. So I think that for now, I would say that you could probably expect the same kind of faces towards the, the the top 10. I think that, yeah, Haas, Alfa Romeo, they both have brilliant race weekends. I think Mercedes, they're very honest about the situation they're in right now. And that yeah, really, they're not on outright pace able to fight with Ferrari and Red Bull. So I think that, yeah, I think on, in terms of outright performance, I think we're probably going to see a bit of a similar picture to Bahrain. But I think a lot of teams, yeah, they do have a lot of um, they they've, they've got a lot to prove and they need to bounce back. Red Bull, uh, as we said, they need to get mm-hmm. some points on the board. I think McLaren, they had a, a really really tough start to the season as well. So yeah, there's definitely I think a lot of teams that will want to make the most of this weekend. It's a, it's a very tricky circuit, so I think that could lend itself to a few surprises. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I, if I were the likes of Haas, now for Romeo, who've got those great results in the bag early on, I wouldn't be thinking right. That's a one off in it for the season i think they can uh, keep on that level of performance through the year hopefully
5: i want to i'll touch on mercedes in a second but you mentioned mclaren there and obviously we've got a big uh, kiwi following down here given the connection to new zealand and and bruce mclaren they they were really disappointing um in bahrain after what was a pretty good 2021 and sort of i don't know hard to put the finger on it is it is it just the car is it with their tactics that they didn't do very well like what what exactly sort of went wrong for them in bahrain
3: it is down to the car, yeah. And I, I spoke to Daniel ricardo and uh, Lando Norris after the race, and both of them were pretty much like, "Well, there wasn't really much more we could do." Like in terms of their own performance, they were. They said, "Look, I was pretty much powerless out there." And both of them were running last at one point, and they finished well outside the points. And they said that basically the car lacks downforce, it lacks grip, it lacks balance. Uh, the engine that's no longer as as much of a, an advantage as it was in previous years because the teams running Ferrari engines and McLaren has not Mercedes engine. Uh, the, yeah, those other rivals made a big step forward. So it's really a combination of things. But it does sound like they sort of need to take a step back and go right. Okay, where are we actually at with this car? and to try and understand it. And Lando Norris, he he said, basically, we need to reset our expectations because for so many years, they've been on this sort of upward trajectory. They won their first race for nine years last year Mm. and they've been performing really well and sort of up there with the likes of Ferrari and on occasion, Red Bull and Mercedes. I think after the first test, we were kind of thinking, oh, could they even be like the leading team? And it's really brought them back down to earth, I think. So uh, yeah, a lot of work for them to do, I think. They just need to understand the car, really, because I think that's the issue right now. They don't really understand fully where all the issues are, but clearly there's quite a few of them
5: um just for i guess formula one newbies or or people who perhaps aren't as vested in the sport what how hard is it to turn a car around completely you know like is this a season-long thing and and you know are they just going to have to resign themselves to not being competitive for a year or or is it something they potentially can you know sort out over a couple of races or a month or so and and sort of get back into where they want to be
3: Uh, It's definitely something you can work on through the season. And the fact is because these cars are so new for this year as well, everyone's really trying to understand them. the only uh, part that was carried over from last year's car to this year's car is the steering wheel. So there's so much you can learn about it. And I guess if you don't fully understand all of your new bits, you can't really get the full performance out of them. So I think that's, that's part of the challenge for teams. So I think that with what they've got at the moment, there's a certain element of understanding that will allow them to find more performance and then take a step forward. Um, one of the new rules for this year, there's been a weird phenomenon where basically once the cars hit above, I think, sort of about 160 or 180 miles an hour, they start bouncing a little bit in a straight yeah. line. And that's something none of the teams expected. So that again is really compromising performance and. I think the more teams can sort of understand how to stop that from happening, that will help the car as well. Um, but the other challenge this year is that there's a cost cap involved. So teams can only spend $140 million for the season. That's across pretty much everything. And in previous years, if you had a slow car, you could basically throw as much money as you wanted at it and to try and make it quick, but you can't really do that now. So I think there's a certain element of they can recover it. And obviously it's a big that is it's a big step back from where you want to be. So you're kind of already starting from, yeah, three to three, three paces back from everybody else. But it's not like you're not going to say after one race, right, that's season written off. We're not going to be any good this year. I think mm. that McLaren, they're a good team. They know how to get themselves out of this situation. So I think given a bit of time, they'll be back sort of where they're more used to being.
5: Mm, and two good drivers as well. Um, Mercedes, um, now you mentioned, you know, in the in the sort of pre-season and the testing, they they very much were behind the pace and, and Lewis Hamilton and George Russell were pretty vocal about that. But a, a very good finish in Bahrain, third and fourth. Um, how to phrase this question, do you think that was testament to, you know, Lewis and George's ability to to race a semi-bad car very, very well? Or is it a testament to Mercedes' ability to, I guess, tune the car well enough that it can still compete?
3: I think a bit of both, to be honest. I think both drivers performed pretty well in Bahrain in terms of just maximising what that car could do. And they were very open about not being able to fight Ferrari and Red Bull and uh, really sort of like go go wheel to wheel with them. But actually they did outperform their expectations. And I think the feeling in the team is that if they can just find a little bit more performance, then they're going to be within range of Ferrari and Red Bull to maybe be fighting for for wins again. So I think that... I think there's plenty of confidence that Mercedes can take from from that race and I think that all things considered yeah they came away with a really good points haul the fact that Red Bull scored absolutely zero points as well that's that's like a really good bonus I think they're very aware of the situation they're in and they know that realistically they should have finished that race fifth and sixth if it wasn't for for the red Bulls dropping out but yeah i think that it's a good starting point for mercedes all things considered they um they know where they are they know they've got a lot of work to do with the car but to come away from that first weekend still with a podium and still yeah sitting a, a good comfortable second in the standings they can be pretty pleased by that so i think that it's kind of giving them confidence that if if that is like the bottom point of their season and that's when they don't understand the car properly and things are bad, like when they're good, it's going to be really, really good.
5: Yeah. And Lewis Hamilton's very lucky that he's got a teammate who's very experienced in uh, trying to get the best out of a, out of a subpar car. Um, <laughs> what are your, what are your, what are your predictions for this weekend, mate? Uh, if you can sort of crystal ball, um, what do you reckon the, the podium and potentially the top 10 looks like uh, in Jetta this weekend?
3: Oof, I mean, it's such a, it's such a, tricky circuit that's the thing it's a uh, it's a the longest street circuit in formula one it's 27 corners long but it's so high speed i think there's only three breaking points on the entire track like it's really really just a, a real thrilling lap to watch and they're very close to the walls and a lot of it does mean that yes yeah, a lot of bravery from the drivers and you do have any mistakes so they really get punished so i think it's uh yeah it's definitely going to maybe be a survival of the fittest race out there this weekend but i i, I reckon that red bull are going to bounce back strongly I think that that car I think is probably still the quickest car I think that Bahrain they just didn't quite hook things up properly Max Stappen had a few issues in the race even before the fuel pump problem that, that ended his race so I think that yeah I, I reckon if I'm going to put my money anywhere I'd say of Stappen victory I think that him and Red will come back quite strongly uh, and then I think the Ferraris are probably going to be sort of consistently up there again I think yeah Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz I think I'd probably wager to see them on the podium with Max. I think that's uh, all things being normal. I think that's probably how the top three is looking. Um, And then, yeah, you look to the likes of Mercedes. They're probably going to be quite close behind. I think Haas and Alpha Romeo, I reckon they'll be back in the points again this weekend as well. Um, I think, yeah, both of them are sort of in a really good starting point for the year. And, uh, yeah, I think in terms of surprises, I think, yeah, maybe let's see if um, Mick Schumacher can get his first F1 points. He was 11th. And Bahrain's so only one position off his first point in F1. So I think, uh, yeah, it'd be quite cool if he could get his first point on the board this weekend. I think there's, uh, it's an exciting time of year, definitely, because it's so unpredictable. Um, but I think that, yeah, give it a few races, we'll probably see it settle down and get a real idea of who's leading the way this season.
5: Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. And you're spot on. It is a very, very exciting time of year. We've got uh, a lot of Formula One fans down here. And I know they can't wait for Jeddah this weekend. Uh, Luke Smith, thanks heaps for joining us, mate. And uh, we'll catch up again soon.
3: No worries. Thank you, mate. Cheers.
5: There you go. Luke Smith uh, out of Autosport and the New York Times talking Formula 1 this weekend. My Ferrari boys come on one and two again. Wouldn't that be good? Hey, wouldn't that be good? I am a little bit scared of the Red Bull, though. I think uh, that team's too big, too much money, too much experience to not... uh, turn around, fix that car and come back strong in jet So it is an exciting time of Formula 1. If you're a big Formula 1 fan or a motorsport fan, um, it's a great time because it's early in the season, teams are working out the cars, they're working out each other as teammates and uh, you generally get a few surprise results. So can't wait this weekend, Jetta. Um We're coming up ten o'clock here on SNZ. After ten, we're going to chat with uh, Warriors assistant coach Justin Morgan. Uh, Justin Morgan's going to be chatting uh, about the Warriors game against the Tigers this evening in Campbelltown um, at eight o'clock. That's the kickoff. Uh, we're also going to have the panel with Ollie Ritchie and Hayden O'Neill. Hayden O'Neill, Haydos, back on the airwaves. That's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. News is coming up at ten. and after ten, uh, Justin Morgan
4: here on SCNZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Oh,
7: but
5: a Kenny. Is a Kenny. Logans, Lugans, Logans. <laughs> I don't know. It's our highway to the dangers, the danger zone. Paying tribute to Kenny uh, McFadden, who passed away this morning. A legend of New Zealand basketball. Um, really sad news. Really sad news. What he's done um, because of what he's done. Really for basketball in New Zealand, transformed it. Um, So sad to see Kenny uh, pass away. Uh, What's coming up this hour? We're going to talk Warriors very, very shortly with Warriors assistant coach Justin Morgan. They're facing the Tigers tonight at 8 o'clock New Zealand time. Uh, We've also got the panel with Ollie Ritchie and Hayden O'Neill. Someone just texted in before um, asking what our Greyhound uh, horse tip was for tonight. It's at Addington. Uh, This is thanks to uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand who is uh, giving us a, a dog each week. Uh, that's racing for our four charities And the charity we've got on mornings uh, Logan, remind me what we've got on mornings The great cause that is Women's Refuge Women's Refuge, there you go That's who we're trying to win some money for And our horse, uh, tonight, uh, sorry our greyhound tonight Is uh, Gold Star Butters Race 4 number 2 at Addington Gold Star Butters So there you go, thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand And speaking of uh, greyhounds uh, dog Speed on Sunday from 11 till 12 With Ricardo. Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. That is your home for Greyhound Racing. You want to listen to that from 11 to 12 on a Sunday. They give out some great tips. They give out some great tips. Um, it is well worth listening. Well, Well, uh, the Warriors, uh, they are in action tonight against the Tigers uh, in Campbelltown. Kickoff is at 8 o'clock. Uh, both teams searching for their first win uh, in the 2022 NRL season. Uh, they've played two games. They've they've lost two games. The Warriors have come close in both of theirs too. Uh, uh, both of there too, Um, the Tigers uh, not so much but we are very lucky to have uh, Warriors assistant coach Justin Morgan on the line now, Uh, welcome into the show Justin.
8: Yeah thanks for having me on.
5: Mate I'm not sure if you uh, caught the game last night but uh, it looked like a bit of a monsoon between the Dragons and the Sharks, what's the weather like in Campbelltown at the moment?
9: yeah it's not too bad at the moment. It's actually clear skies, but it has been forecast for pouring rain, but um hopefully we're going to get a, a, a drier evening than what we saw uh, last <laughs> night. but uh, not raining at the moment, which is a good sign, but uh, you never know could uh, could come in later this afternoon
5: yeah it was um it was absolutely pointed out and and it looked quite tough to play in. is it if we get similar conditions tonight, how much of the of your game plan sort of changes given you're playing in wet conditions?
9: Yeah, <clears throat> there's some slight adjustments that you that you make. You know, you, you must want to change angles a little bit more. If you're going to, you know, pass at the line maybe one or two metres earlier because you don't want to have that kind of pressure. But we don't change a great deal. You know, that's how we prep during the week and we feel as though that, you know, that's the game plan that, that we're that going into the game with regardless of the weather. We want to try and execute it the best we can. What happens when it, when it rains is that the kicking game becomes so important because mm. obviously you win territory, so much easier with a kicking game and I thought that was one part of our game last week and that was a big improvement from round one against the Dragons so um, we'll, we'll need to kick well against the Tigers regardless of, uh, regardless of whether it rains or not
5: You're coming up against a, a side in the Tigers that have, um, that have struggled to start the season, particularly last week um, going down heavily but we know that a team uh, that's hurting is, it tends to be a, ja- a dangerous team what, uh, what, what do the Warriors boys have to be wary of tonight? Where are the Tigers' strengths do you reckon?
9: Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the fact that you know, they've been absolutely copying it over here from the media. Um, you know, there's, there's talk about the coach and there's talk about the culture. And a couple of players last weekend were out. You know, um, the night before the game. Not that they were doing anything wrong, but you know, it's in it, when in, when you're not winning games, the spotlight comes on pretty hard for them. So we're aware that they're going to come out, and uh, no doubt they'll want they'll want to start the game well. Um, we know that they've got some really good dummy half runners or you know guildard the the english uh, center a really good dummy half runner I know they've lost a couple of players and in, in hastings is missing um there's also a a little a little rumor going around that there's a couple of other guys that are struggling with uh with injury so um really our focus this week has been on what we can improve and what we can control and I know that sort of you know is a little bit of a cliche but realistically we have been you know close the last couple of weeks we feel we're not too far away so um, we have spent a little bit of time around you know their ruck which is a really really important part for them um, you know Jacob Little at dummy half again very good out of acting half got really good deception so that part of the the, the game will, will need a strong focus for us but um, a lot of our talk this week has been about making sure we can uh, you know, we can control the things that we can control, and that's what we do and how we play. So how we finish our sets, how we kick, um, what sort of plays we put on, because we don't feel in the first two weeks of the competition we've made any team work hard. You know, we've given them really easy meters via penalties and back-to-back errors. We had big plumps of errors and and penalties last weekend, and that just made the game easy for the Titans. So. Um, that, that's that been a real focus for us. We need to make the game harder for the opposition and make them earn whatever they get from us.
5: There's um, There's been a little bit of focus on, on the halves, which obviously are changing for the third time in three weeks. Not much you can really do with, with some of the injuries and that sort of thing. But just from your point of view, Justin, what, what do we need from our six and seven? What would you like to see from whichever two are playing in that position for the Warriors?
9: Yeah, I mentioned a couple of times already, kicking's important. Um, but you know, from an offensive point of view... Just to make sure that we've got really good balance with our attack on both sides of the ruck. Um, you know, obviously, traditionally one of them looks after the left, one looks after the the right. But you know, the way the game has been evolving the past twelve, eighteen months is that you're seeing a lot of halves together again. Um, they're playing on the same side of the field, so mm-hmm. they need to make sure that, that that communication's good and that we're ready to go on both sides of the ruck. So whether that be a you know a wide short side that one of them can look after, and he might take the fullback with him down that short side, or he might flip himself around to the other side to give the extra number and, and push the other halfback a little bit wider. So like, like all halfbacks, we'll need some really good direction in our offense. Um, so that's what we've been, we've been asking for from them during the week. Um, they need to coordinate with our middle guys a little bit better. We know that's much of the strength of our teams, our big guys through the middle. So um, if we can get those guys to coordinate with those guys a little bit better, I'm sure that will uh, cause the Tigers' defense a little bit of stress.
5: Uh, Josh Curran. Uh, a lot has been made about this guy over the last uh, few weeks. Some phenomenal performances to, to kick off 2022. He just sort of embodies, I think, how all of us want you know the Warriors to play. And I know there's even a little bit of chat about an Origin call-up. What's um, what's he like off the field, Justin, in and in training? Is he is he sort of a quiet worker? He's a bit of a cheeky bugger. That's how he comes across to me. But what's he like off the field?
9: Yeah, he's pretty quiet, and you know, I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. You know, to be really honest, we've been really happy the way Josh has started the season, but we feel as though that he's still got lots of improvement um, most probably the start of preseason last year or, you know was the first time um, that we saw him really knuckle down um, he's always been a very gifted player but he really knuckled down in the physical prep and uh, that's allowed him to put in a good performances at the, the front half of the season so we know how hard it is to play through the middle of the field but and you've seen that new trend where you're seeing a lot of you know teams have their ball movement go through their number 13 and He's got a really good, really good touch with his hands. Um, but off the field, yeah, he's just a hard worker. You know, he's got the crazy mullet haircut. <laughs> he's a fairly, uh, you know, he's a fairly laid back kind of character. Um, he's a very gifted, a gifted footballer. You know, he's one of those guys. You know, and we've all seen them that just can pick balls up off their off their bootlaces if they get thrown there. They can, you know, do all those, you know, those things that you go, Wow, how did, it, how, did it, how did that happen? So he's, he's very gifted in that regard. He's a very humble young man. Um, I think the first few years of his career, you know, he, he maybe struggled with a little bit of self belief and a little bit of confidence. Um, so I know, as coaches, over the last couple of years, we've really tried to, to build that up in him over the, the last little while. But um, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a really nice, humble kid. Works really hard on his game. He's a nice student of the game. He um, he understands the game, you know, on a technical level um, at a very high level for a guy that's you know, still at the front half of his career. So. Um, yeah, I still think we're going to see more from Josh, and uh, hopefully, starting tonight, he can uh, he can lay some points on for us.
5: Mm, that's uh, that's exciting to hear, uh, mate. The the rule changes for twenty twenty two. How are you guys finding the adjustment to that six again rule? You know, and the game sort of, I guess, slowing down somewhat compared to twenty twenty two.
9: Yeah, I, I think it's a good change. I mean, I, I was I was a Person last year that was quite vocal about the six again in your own end. I I just didn't think the NRL um, understood the importance of of territory and how important that is. And I think now getting the penalty in your own end when you're coming out of yardage, um, you know, helps teams because it takes a lot less energy to defend yardage than it does to defend good ball. So you know, all of a sudden when you have to give away a six again. Um, and you have to give up 40, 50 meters now with a penalty. Um, it just puts a lot more stress on your defence. So um, I really like it. I, I, I think it's a nice balance between the free-flowing nature of a six again call, but at the same time rewarding teams with some territory if they've been infringed. Especially, you know, we saw teams last year infringing, you know, purposely mm. um, to to you know early in the tackle count, and it's so hard because you've only got six plays to generate some kind of ruck speed and generate some. Some kind of traction, and if you haven't got it by, you know, play two or three coming out of yardage, your mindset is thinking about getting to your kick. So you're not really playing the, the, I suppose, the attractive brand of football that you would like to play. Um, so I, I really like the the rule change, and I think the fact that you know that there's a, a changeover as well um, for for the infringements and so forth. They've sort of tweaked that from from the last couple of years. Uh, makes the game nice and flowing, uh, which is good. We've still seen lots of points in games, but at the same time, I, I think it's important to see some teams defend. You know, it's, it's all good and well to say, let's see lots of points and lots of tries. That's great, but there's two facets of our game. One's defence and one's attack. So it's always nice to see good defensive teams play as well. So I think we've got the nice balance at the moment. I think the NRL have done a good job in, in, uh, in, in re- readjusting that rule.
5: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, We're talking with Justin Morgan, assistant coach for the Warriors here, ahead of their game against the Tigers this evening. Uh, Just before we let you go, Justin, obviously great news on Wednesday um, that the Warriors are are coming back to Mount Smart. I don't think there's any denying the fact that's going to be a monumental occasion um, for the club. What was the the feeling amongst the team and the boys when that news got announced?
9: Oh, mate, just you you don't understand how excited everybody is about that. It's just You know, it's always been a little bit of a pie in the sky. Oh, you know, we've got the big board up at work. We've got these games and the games that are circled that we're supposed to be playing at Mount Smart at the start of the year. We're playing this one at Mount Smart, this one, this one, this one. But I don't know if... we really believed it until the announcement this week, um, and there's a real level of excitement. I can't wait to come home. I ha- I haven't been home since March 2020. Mm. I've been here that whole time, living out of a suitcase. I've, I've accumulated a lot more a lot more things <laughs> than want I came <laughs> over with. So I'll need I'll need Air New Zealand to look after me with the extra luggage. Yes, but uh, yeah, just just really pumped about it. You know, not only from from a from our personal point of view of getting back home, but um, I can only imagine how hard it has been for all the fans and all the members and, and also all the staff and people that are close to the club um, back in Auckland haven't seen Rugby League for so long. So we're pumped about it, mate. We, we really can't wait. Um, hopefully we're coming back and we're, we're sitting nicely somewhere in the top half of the table and, and we, can, uh, we can have a real strong finish towards the back end of 22 um, at, at, our, at our home.
5: Mate, I can tell you right now the the uh the outpouring of, of joy and excitement over here. It's um it's it's clear and, and that's gonna be a sellout. I tell you now that is gonna be a sellout at Mount Smart. We just absolutely cannot wait to have live rugby league uh rugby league back, mate. It's gonna be awesome. Um good luck this evening in Campbelltown. Um Justin. Hopefully uh if the weather does doesn't play ball, you don't have to spend too much time down on the sideline, mate. Thanks heaps, for joining us.
9: <laughs> yeah, I'll pull Rank and say, Sorry boys, I'm going upstairs this month, so yeah. No worries. Great talking. Have a
5: great day. Good, good stuff. There you go. Justin Morgan, Warriors assistant coach there. Look, I um, the TAB have the Warriors favourites tonight at $1.73 to $2. And I know some people have been talking about, oh, you know, that's, that's value for the Tigers. I, I honestly reckon the Warriors will turn it around this week. I agree with Justin Morgan that we're not that far away from putting together, putting everything together and coming up with a good performance, you know. Couple of errors, get rid of those. Few of the penalties, get rid of those. All of a sudden... We can start to control a game, um, and he's right. And that that Tigers side is a little bit depleted. And I'm even just looking at the team lists now. I think they've made a couple of late changes, so um, that that may even change again before kickoff. Um, so look, I, I think the Warriors, you know, tonight is the night to really put a marker in the sand and say, you know, we're underway. The season start. I know it should have started in round one, but you know, it it's sort of it gets underway here. We start to get some momentum, and maybe we can start picking up some wins. So awesome to chat to Justin Morgan um, out of the Warriors camp. Could be another wet night in Campbelltown, which will make for a very interesting game of uh, Rugby League. We'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, coming up after this it is uh, the Dilma Expertise Panel. Ollie Ritchie and Hayden O'Neill. Can't wait. That's coming up after this.
4: The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The Expertise Panel. Brought to you
1: by
4: Dilma.
10: Do try it.
5: 22 minutes past 10 here on SENZ. It is time for the Dilma expertise panel. Dilma celebrating 30 years of tea in New Zealand and uh, two hard hitters for your Friday morning. Firstly, it's uh, Ollie Ritchie out of news. Hard welcome in, Ollie. Good morning. Good to be here. Good stuff. And Hayden O'Neill, a bit of a legend of the airwaves. Hayden, welcome back to, to Sports Radio, mate.
11: Morning, Sam. Morning, Ollie. How are we all?
5: Very well, my friend. How's the dog? Good,
11: mate. Oh well, you know he's doing what he does. Mate. He's lying down on my feet and just waiting for any opportunity to go for a walk or get outside.
5: I was going to say, you know how it is? yeah, I was going to say you probably should have him tied up for the next twenty minutes, mate, because I don't want him interrupting. Um, let's start with a little bit of uh, Super Rugby, shall we? Um, Ollie, we'll start with you, mate. Um, two, I guess, big derby games this weekend: Chiefs Crusaders and uh, Blues Hinders tomorrow night. Uh, which one are you looking forward to?
1: Well, to be honest, I'm just looking forward to actually being able to watch rugby this weekend full stop if we start there. Um, You know, obviously through no one's fault, there's just been cancellation after cancellation or postponement rather uh, after postponement. And so to actually get some rugby out this weekend is going to be great. Um, I think Chiefs Crusaders is going to be a a cracker. It's turned into a real grudge match that um, and with the Crusaders getting tipped up. Last time uh, they played in Christchurch, which does not happen very often, um, you can imagine they'll be coming in uh, with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, a bit of a point to prove um, uh, a fired up Razor Robertson during the week, as I understand it. So I think that's going to be an
11: absolute delta. Uh,
5: hey, uh your Chiefs, do you think they can uh, do the double over the Crusaders?
11: My Chiefs. My yeah. Chiefs, you mean my Blues. Yeah. Um, my Blues,
5: mate. Only <laughs> yeah, until they, they lose.
11: They, they, don't, don't go down that road, please, mate. We're reformed blues fans here. Uh yeah, like Ollie, mate, I'm really looking to, I'm looking forward to just getting some sport back on the field anywhere at the moment. You know, we're sort of hanging out for everything. Um, you know, listen the Blues Highlanders always you know, I always like to follow my blues and I like watching footy under the you know, under the roof down there at Foresight Bar and I just I just need to see some some real finishing from the blues. I want them to finish a game off mm. I I think they've, they've got so much talented potential. I know they've got have got, they've got a few players on the bench still and they've been ravaged with COVID, but I'm really looking forward to seeing them just put a performance on the park where they just blow a team away and they finish a game off properly. You know, and it's that's what I'm that's what I'm really looking forward to watching that game. Sad day
5: yeah, well, that, like they haven't really lived up to the hype yet, you know. Like they've they've um, they've obviously won a couple of games, but they haven't sort of like you said, blown a team off the park, which is what we've expected. What what's your interest levels like at the moment with Super Rugby? Hados? so you're still following it closely, or do you just sort of dip your toes in and out? Where's your interest at?
11: Well, I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend because you know it's we're finally it looks like we've got you know almost full squads back, and we've we've been so interrupted. It's been a, it's, I've felt awful for the competition. It's been been a really terrible introduction for Pacifica and for you know for the and likes. It's been really, really awkward. So I'm just hoping we get a nice, a really good round of footy this weekend and. We just see some just some really good performances, you know. And, I, and God, I hope the Chiefs knock over the Crusaders. <laughs> it's, it's been, it's just it, so, it really would. So do I. It hope. Really would. So do I. mate. I don't Let's... like the Chiefs, but I don't. I like the Crusaders less. You know, like, <laughs> I really do.
5: That's. I think it's ninety percent of of uh, New Zealand, if I'm being totally honest. Um, Ollie, uh, the game that I'm actually interested in across the ditch, um, is the Drua Rebels, because all of the bookies have the Rebels as the favourites, and I reckon the Drua can do it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I will um, just preface this by saying I'm a uh, born and bred Cantab as well. So, oh, um, take, him air, please, Logan, t- take him off here, uh, please,
5: Logan. Take him off air. <laughs> yeah,
11: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's, you didn't put that in the message, mate, when you told me I was coming on with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think
1: everyone's got a soft spot for the Crusaders, don't they? Deep, deep down, deep, deep down. Um, anyway, yeah, look, I, I think you're absolutely right. I've been really impressed with the Drua and what I've seen. Um, we knew they were going to bring that Pacific flair they were going to throw the ball around they were going to um they were going to light this competition on fire when they could get it going and we've actually seen them get it going more often than not i think a lot of people thought they'd take a bit of time to find their feet in super rugby and to, to find that cohesion and that structure and and no they're not the finished product yet but i think you're absolutely right that they deserve to be favorites over the rebels and you know if you're a betting man there's money to be made on the drill this weekend um you know almost to the up the reds uh, which is no mean feat, especially over in Aussie. Um, they've been an exciting product, and I think it's exactly what the competitions committee wanted to see from these two new inclusions. Moana Pacifica probably taking a little bit longer to find their feet. Again, no fault of their own. Uh, you know, new games have, well, half of their games have been postponed through COVID, but you're right, the, the Druah, man, they're exciting to watch.
5: Yeah, they were nearly, like you said, nearly tipping up the Reds, which would have been amazing. That game at uh, nine forty-five uh, tonight. Hayden, do we still have you there?
7: Yes, yeah, still got oh, me here. Sorry,
5: mate. You know, I thought you might have hung up after that. Um, after that revelation, Riley. <laughs> um, uh, cricket, uh, cricket this weekend, boys. Um, the white ferns playing Pakistan tomorrow, and we had Smithy on uh, to start the show, talking about how you know the World Cups. Done and dusted. Essentially, for the White Ferns, I don't think there's any way they'll they'll make the semi-finals. The, the net run rate calculations. I know you love those sorts of things, Hayden. You've probably got your calculator out, but um, it looks nigh on impossible. How disappointed? Uh, we'll start with you, Hayden. How disappointed uh, are you with the White Ferns World Cup campaign?
11: Well, I mean, you know, I can be disappointed. All I like they'll be they'll be they'll be bitterly disappointed with how it's played out for them, and it's it's so disappointing given the announcement that we had during the week with the. You know we're going to get the end of this tournament's going to have crowds you know and proper crowds and for them to dip out on semifinals with an opportunity like that on in the, in your home country um It just hasn't panned out for them, but I tell you what the tournament's been fantastic
7: mm. um
11: the cricket the cricket has been it's i mean i i probably obviously haven't watched enough because it's been a bit of a revelation the athleticism and the and just the brilliant cricket that's played it's it's just so different to just the crash bang and wallop that we see in this sort of t twenty dominated men's game now. And I've really, really enjoyed the tournament so far, and I'm gutted for the White Ferns. I mean, I know there's a mathematical chance, but we all know that it's... It's starting to
5: sound like the Warriors, hey? They're just
11: numbers. Don't (laughs) don't, don't put them in the same book as that, mate. Let's not get them that road straight away. But, yeah, long story short, I'm really gutted for them because it was such a massive opportunity, and it it would have been been terrific, and it just hasn't panned out, and that's just what happens in tournaments, you know? Mm. It's just... Yeah, some gutters for them. I really am, because it would have, been, would have been terrific playing in the semi-final at home. It would have been a real advantage for them. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's what it is.
5: What about you, Ollie? And, and I know Hayden just mentioned there the tournament sort of format. It seems the White Ferns really do struggle when it comes to, I guess, the crunch matches of, of tournament cricket. Um, how disappointed have you been with, with the campaign?
1: Yeah, very much the same. Bitterly disappointed. Um, again, not, not as disappointed as they will be. Um, just so many of those games were, were there for the taking. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, mathematical chance or not, the, the White Ferns do not deserve to mm. be in the semifinals. And, yeah. and that is just the, the, the blunt matter of fact. They simply haven't played well enough. So, you know, even though they are a mathematical chance, they don't deserve to be anywhere near the semifinals because you take Sophie Devine out of that team, you take Millie Kerr out of that team, and really... Not too many others have stepped up. We've had, you know, the odd things from Amy Satterthwaite, and I think Frankie McKay has been a revelation with the ball. Um, but, but really, too many of our big players, our Leitha who's our, our Susie Bates, just just haven't stepped up. And you know, posting two twenty uh, against a team like South Africa is just not good enough. Um, so yes, we've lost some in, in very close circumstances. But you know, we shouldn't have ever got to, to, to that area because you know we should have been better from the outset. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they don't deserve to be in the semi-finals. um, And it's been a bitterly disappointing campaign.
7: Mm,
5: You're bang on there. Uh, Lads, just hold the line. We've got to get some news away. Hayden, go take the dog out for for a quick walk. We'll be back in a couple of minutes here. News is next.
3: The Expertise
1: Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it.
5: Yeah, back with the panel here, ten thirty two on ECNZ. Ollie Ritchie from NewsHub and Hayden O'Neill, formerly of Radio Sport. Uh, boys, I want to talk uh, Black Caps Netherlands. Another cricket fixture happening uh, tonight, seven o'clock. A one-off T Twenty. Um, Hayden, we'll start with you. Any interest in the Black Caps v Netherlands tour? Yeah, look, I
11: hope I hope they go well. I hope they play, they get what they want about it. But um, if you can flick me the text in the morning about the result on this one, <laughs> I don't think I'll miss it much. <laughs> <laughs> What about yeah, you?
5: Be what about you, Ollie? Any interest in in uh, Black Caps v Netherlands? Oh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a been bit, a bit of a disappointing summer, really, re- results-wise and tour-wise for the Black Caps. Um, and again, you know, I, I don't really blame New Zealand cricket for that, given um, the MIQ requirements that prevented teams coming in and stuff like that. Um, but look, I'll, I'll probably watch it, but um, am I that? Um, concerned by the result I mean no because we're going to win it comfortably um, yeah it's just another one of those things like kind of Hayden says that I'm kind of more than happy to just get the text in the morning and, and hear the result but I'll, I'll probably have it on in the
11: background
5: uh, Hayden I thought you would have had a bit more interest given that uh, you've got an interesting connection with the Netherlands can you just tell us about your oh. uncle
11: yeah, so when the Netherlands came out in '88, you know, all that time ago, it was a hell of a long time ago. They played against uh, Taranaki in Pukerua Park, and Michael was batting. I think he's batting fourth Taranaki then. Didn't give any runs, but had a great moustache and had no buttons up on his shirt. Um, and the Netherlands just absolutely bottled it, totally bottled it. They were chasing 220, and they conceded a double hat trick late in the game. Wow! And lost by eight runs. <laughs> Oh, that's a double hat trick, Four wickets and four balls.
5: This was when Taranaki was the powerhouse well, the of New Zealand cricket.
11: Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm think, No, they weren't actually. I just think the Netherlands were fairly average. But <laughs> they've got a really good team photo. there. It's an awesome team photo. But you know, it was. That's, uh, that's the only thing that was well, I find interesting about this tour. Can't we just go back to having tour, like really long tours of Bangladesh and Sri Lanka like we used to? Yeah, in with those
5: ones. Yeah, what, what three test series, five ODIs, oh. five T20s, just load up the calendar. Two
11: tests. Two yeah, T, of course. Sixteen ODIs and forty-three um, <laughs> T20s. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, uh, boys. I want to talk to you about um, the Warriors now. Um, before we just get on to the Tigers game tonight. Um, interesting news yesterday. You and Aitken, um asking for an early release from the club. He doesn't want to come back to New Zealand. He wants to stay over in Australia. And I just want to. I just wonder. We'll start with you, Ollie. I just want to. I just wonder if this is going to be a bit of a theme over the next twelve months. Now that the Warriors can come back to New Zealand. They can play at Mount Smart. They're probably going to be back here full-time in 2023. Are we going to see a few of these signings that they've picked up over the last few years sort of, you know, ask for early releases because they don't want to come over here?
1: Well, I hope not, but it, it could be the reality of the situation facing the Warriors now, right? Like, for, for so long, we've hoped and wanted them to come home, um, and now that they are able to, and like you rightfully say, they'll, they'll be based back at, at Mount Smart next year. For those Aussies and in their, in their team, it's, it's almost like, oh, actually, I don't know that I want to move the family back over to New Zealand or over to New Zealand for the first time. I'm I'm pretty comfortable living an Aussie, um, so I would not be surprised if, if you and Aiken isn't the last uh, that we see walk out on the Warriors for, for that very reason. Um, you know, hopefully it's it's not a similar case with with Rhys Walsh. Um, when his contract is up as well because, you know, his family's in Queensland. So, um, you know, I certainly hope not. But, it, you know, it is the reality of the situation facing the Warriors is that, that there could be more and more that decide to stay in Aussie.
5: Haydos, I haven't talked to you about the Warriors in a while, mate. Where, where, are, you sitting, where are you sitting with them at the moment? And in 2022, two, they're 0 from 2 to start the season coming up against the Wooden, well, the Wooden Spoon favourites and the Tigers this, this evening.
11: Well, I mean, they're in a really difficult situation. They're, they're, again, they've got a new house here and again. Uh, tonight,
5: haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so third, house third, one ends, third uh,
11: week. Someone, three weeks. Yep. So, so that's that's not that's not ideal, is it? They've they have they have they having real struggles with their consistency across the field. I mean, it's zero two. Yep, that's that's not a great start. But it's not it's not just burn down the burned burn down the barn just yet.
5: Oh, well, you know how Warriors you fans know? work, Hayden.
11: Yeah, well, if you say something positive about them, then you, you know, then you're you're just an absolute fanboy. If you say something negative about them, you're a hater. There's no middle ground anymore. You know, you're just that's completely polarizing. And look, you know, they've got to they've really got to win tonight. However, they win, I You know, it doesn't matter if they win two nil, but they've just got to scrape out a win. And they, it's going to be really tough for them again. You know, It really is.
7: Mm
5: the uh, the homecoming uh, on July 3 um, I've sort of speculated this might be the biggest game um, since the opening game in 95 at Mount Smart um, of course there was that finals series I think it was in 08 maybe where we played that finals game at Mount Smart but um, I don't know Hayden are you going to head along are you, are you excited to, to go and watch the Warriors live after two and a half years off
11: I think that'll be if they get the marketing right around that and they get the, they get the pricing right that should be an absolutely massive event um, and I feel you know, it's been terrible two and a half years for the Warriors, and I just want to quickly go back to what you're talking about. You know, players leaving because the club will go back to New Zealand. That's undoubtedly going to happen because mm-hmm. they've had all sorts of trouble attracting Australian talents previously anyway. Um, and so them being based in Australia was fantastic. But the timing of yesterday, saying that the moment it came out and someone the Warrior wants to leave. I mean, good riddance, man. You know, go and go and pack your bags and bugger off straight away because that's that's really disappointing to happen that that quickly and. I don't know the family personal, you know, the circumstance or anything like that. There could be anything could be happening these days and we're all gotta be kind and nice about things, but that timing was really disappointing for me. Mm. You know, that's 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 something that you've got to hold on to for a month alone read the room a bit better. That's um I looked at that and went, well, that just feels a bit sulky and a bit spoilt to me.
5: Yeah, and it's, inter- um, it's interesting too. the Warriors, I guess, over the last year and a bit with you know Roger being granted the early release, you and Aitken being granted the early release. There is talk that Reese Walsh wants an early release. Like, do the Warriors just need to toughen up a bit and say, no, you've got to oh, stay and pay out your contract?
11: Hey, contracts are contracts, right? And if you don't like it, well, then you can, you can sit and wait for the end of your contract. Plenty of people have. Remember Gordon Teller's sat. He sat mm. his contract with St. George because he wanted to go to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. They sat him. You know, I, I've got no problem with that. I know we've got to be a bit more understanding because we've been through this. We're in the middle of this pandemic. We're coming to the end of this pandemic. But I'm sorry, a contract's a contract. Unless it works out well for the club, then absolutely they should be pushing hard on these, on these players. Absolutely.
5: Mm. Uh, we're running out of time here, boys. Ollie, just um, just want to finish with Kenny McFadden of the sad news this morning that uh, basketball legend um, in New Zealand, Kenny McFadden, um, passing away. You and I are probably a bit too young. Hayden was probably right in that, that heyday, but you and I are probably a bit young. But what do you uh, what do you know and, and remember? I guess about Kenny McFadden. Yeah, he's an
1: absolute legend. When I was a sport reporter down in Wellington, I used to ring him all the time. Um, Sometimes it was just to, to do the chat about the state of the NBA playoffs or, or which team was going to advance or you know, how Steve Adams and KC were looking. Um, so, so generous with his time. Always wanted to talk about basketball. Um,
8: and it didn't, didn't really matter what
1: time of the day it was. Um, he'd always pick up his phone and, and have a chat and, and what he did for the basketball community down there and those young up-and-comers. And I suppose, you know, Stephen Adams is the most well-known, of course, but, you know, there are hundreds of other kids that, that he has influenced and he has helped. Um, you know, not all get to the NBA, but you know, all find this love of basketball, and I think a lot of that is uh, down to Kenny McFadden. So, uh, yeah, a, a giant um, for for basketball in this country, and he, he will be sorely
5: missed. Uh Haydos, I know when you were uh, in your 20s back in the 80s, um, you went <laughs> along, you went along to a couple of Saints games, mate. What do you re- uh, remember about Kenny McFadden?
11: So let's get it right. I would have been single figures in age. Um, <laughs> I would have been single figures in age. And no, we went to games in the late eighties. And I, I, I mean, it was honestly like walking into what I like what you call a rock concert now. Like you can walk in, it's like walking into something like the Foo Fighters. It was electric. Um, it was it was proper showtime entertainment. And he was he was the king. You know, mm. like he, he was the absolute king. It was um, it was oh, I, I mean. I remember very vividly then having to block my ears because it was so loud inside there. It was, um, it was something else. And, you know, Ollie's dead right. He was, uh, I don't think people quite understand what, you know, how much he really did mm. um, and how many people he really affected. So, yeah, total legend. Yeah, you know, I- total legend and a massive, massive loss.
5: Yeah, I was saying before that it's one of those. He's one of those guys where the impact you, you don't see a lot of it because it's all behind the scenes and it's like you said. It'll be noticed
11: now though. Yeah, it will notice be noticed now. Yeah, it'll be now that he's
5: gone. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, hey, Dos, thanks for coming on, mate, and Ollie, uh, you too. Um, the Dilma expertise panel. Great to have uh, you both on this afternoon. Hayden, go and uh, go and sort
7: the dog. Yeah, go to the Chiefs this weekend, Ollie. Go to the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your chances. Good stuff. <laughs> thanks.
5: There you go, the, uh, the expertise panel there with Ollie Ritchie and Hayden O'Neill, always good to catch up uh, with them. Uh, thanks to Dilma, celebrating 30 years of tea in uh, New Zealand. I did just get a text in here from Simon who said, uh, "You do this is on double eight double three the temper bed Post text machine, you do realise how silly you sound with hyperb- hyperbole like 90% of New Zealanders, when there is no way you have any data but your own filter bubble, right? Simon, are you from Canterbury? Are you from Christchurch or the Canterbury region? I'm suspicious, mate. It's just sport. We're just having a bit of fun, mate. Just having a bit of fun. Um, it is 18 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going to chat to Mick Guerin very, very soon. Um, and we're also going to catch up with uh, Mark Clayton. Gee, a lot, uh, lot of racing over this weekend. A lot of tips that we're going to need to put into our multis. Multi them with the Warriors. There's a pick for you. Multi them with the Warriors. It'll be the Warriors who probably let you down. Never, never bet on the Warriors. Never bet on the Warriors and never bet against them. Just don't touch the Warriors when it comes to the TAB, okay? We're going to catch up with uh, Mick Guerin after this.
4: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
5: Yeah, welcome back into SCNZ 12 minutes away from 11. Sam What's sitting in for some uh, He should be back on Monday. Um, but giving us a uh, Harness Racing update, and uh, thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand, is the great Mick Guerin. He joins the show now. G'day, Mick.
10: Hey, Sammy. How are you, brother? Long time, no chat. Yes. Um, Look, you've arrived at the right time. Um, Mate, good day for harness racing today, actually, tonight. It's Alexandra Park. It's Derby night. And Derby day or Derby night anywhere is a big deal. And there's a proper Derby horse in the $250,000 Woodlands Derby tonight. His name is Akuta. And he's been awesome most of his career. He won the harness jewels by 10 lengths last year. And he blew most of these away in the prelude last week. So that's race seven tonight at Alexandra Park, 9.20. Now, the rules restrictions don't end until later tonight, so you probably can't go to the race meeting. But uh, you can pop along if you want to be in a pot of 100 people, or you can watch it on trackside, because it's a little bit chilly in Auckland today, Sam. It is. You probably realise when you go outside. Um, he'll be the horse to back there, and then I've got one for the punters. If yeah, you look like a responsible bet, because we're all about responsible betting oh God, at S C N Z and also about winning, because winning's good, and you have money to do other things with. Race five, number five, Merlin, good horse. He's paying a dollar ninety. Doesn't sound much, but if you go Merlin, all up, it's a multi bet, so they both have to win to a cooter you're going to get about $2.40. Now, if you put $5 on that, that means you make $7 profit, Sam, and that's enough to buy either a cappuccino, a beer, or something else, for $7, and I don't really care what
5: Brilliant. That is fantastic, mate. And that's a good taster for what we can expect tomorrow morning, can't we, on the mail run, mate? What have you What have you been mate, lining up tomorrow morning? I've lost him. He's just, there's just so much going on the mail run, it's uh, it's overloaded the system.
10: The way. Oh, here he and is, and he's going to want to talk about it. He's, see, Sorry, we lost. I, I told you, we lost you there for I a told second, you he's mate. He's going to want to talk about it. Yeah, I told you, he's going to want to talk about it. He's going to be annoying about it tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to promise to donate a hundred dollars to the pet refuge if Louis promises to not mention it on the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll give them a hundred dollars if Louis promises to not mention it or okay. text about it or tweet about it ever again. And what,
5: what, what's $100. this? What's this, Because you cut off right at the beginning. What, what are we wanting Louis not to mention? Uh,
10: I'm not mentioning it either. But last week on the show, he, he had a nice moment where he managed to tip some winners and we're not going to talk about it. Oh,
5: anymore. yes, no, I did. I saw the Twitter activity, Mick. I saw the Twitter. We have, yeah. I, I've heard of a phrase, I'm not a big betting man, but I've heard of a phrase, tips, not slips. So, you know, you don't just post your winnings. You've you got to talk about your losses as well and give the punters the tips first. So um, I'll look forward Sam, to
10: that. I imagine if your life got to the stage where you could have a bed at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning to go sit in the room with Louis for two hours. <laughs> it's already depressing <laughs> enough. I do not want to be listening to him right on about it. So $100 to Pet Refuge if he promises not to mention it on the show tomorrow.
5: Fantastic, mate. I can't wait, mate. Go well. Enjoy the weekend. Awesome, there you go, Mick Gear in there um, for Harness Racing New Zealand Uh, Live the dream and get involved in Harness Racing today you can visit uh, hrnz.co.nz We'll take a break, we'll be back after this
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ
0: The loveracing.nz update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing Visit loveracing.nz
5: racing's biggest fan. <laughs> yes, time for our Love Racing update. Thanks to loveracing.nz. And Clado joins us. Clado, what have we got going on this weekend, mate?
7: Good morning, Sam. There is plenty going on this weekend. We've got Hawera racing today on a dead six track. We go to Tauranga. There's going to be a heavy track there tomorrow. And Rickerton down the South Island. And I think even more racing on Sunday at Teheranico.
5: Oh. Fantastic, mate! What are what are you looking forward to the most? What have you got your eyes on? Must be a race or a well, horse. Maybe well, you want to throw us a tip as well.
7: There's some really good racing coming up. I just enjoy every race as a as a as a cup race to me, Sam. I'm such a tragic, but I love it all in harness. Uh, Harler today. I found a couple for our you know listeners this morning. In the last race today, there's a horse called He's Rick, one of the locals. Now he's at sixteen and four dollars, so he's Oof. a great each way bet. And he always, he always, one of those horses, a little bit underrated, but always puts in. And um, I think he's great each way value in the last today at Harwara. And if we go to the race before, now, there will not be a dry eye in the racing industry if Angaria can take out the race before. Of course, trained by Debbie Sweeney, who sadly lost her brother, Mark, Hmm. in that boating tragedy up north during the week, so... Boy, I tell you what, the tears will be rolling down a few people's eyes if Angaria can take out the race before. He's got to take on the Tiakao Army, but he's a tough boy by Angaria, and, and, gee, I think he he can nut it out. He's got good form over the distance and the dead six. So, yeah, come on, Angaria.
5: Fantastic. We'll be cheering him on, um, Clayton, and listening to the Good Oil as well over the weekend, mate. Go well. Enjoy yep. it. Enjoy it. Kyle
7: Mills tomorrow. Kyle oh, Mills
5: on the Good Oil tomorrow. Fantastic. That is fantastic. He's a big punter. I love it. Good stuff, Clado. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks. Thank you, Sam. There you go. Bye. Mark Clayton there is part of our LoveRacing.nz update for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews, and more. Visit LoveRacing.nz. And we cross straight away to the TAB, the good folks at the TAB who uh, set up all of these markets for us and uh, there's lots, lots going on this weekend. Pip Morris joins us now. Pip, uh, afternoon or morning, I should say, uh, what we got going on today?
12: Good morning to you, Sam. We've got a mini bonus back blitz on today. So the first two races from Palmerston North, the Greyhounds are bonus back, as well as the Addington Harness, their first two, Alexandra Park and the Valley. Most of the races, the favourites, are the best back. can't it, Alex Park, so... The so two favourites are the best back, But then it's the outsider American legacy That Peter Ferguson drives So maybe punters hoping it can either win Or get the money back There's the bonus back And at the valley Your favourites are the best back as well And marginally in race number two Everyone's still backing the favourite there And Look
10: I think if you want to play the bonus backs In race number two Super gold Could be a good one to take on the favourite there I think she'll run top four So you should get your money back And look there's plenty to play in two this season, So get involved
5: Awesome stuff, Pip. Thank you very much, Pip, from the TAB there. Gee whiz, we just gave you a lot of tips. Hope you took them all down. Coming up, 11 o'clock news. Back shortly.
4: The all-new SCNZ And the stumps to behind the mic. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
6: Oh,
5: of Eric Clapton, that is iconic. Now, we've been playing songs uh, connected to Kenny's of all varieties, given uh, the passing of Kenny McFadden, iconic New Zealand uh, basketballer and coach, mentor, youth development man. He's uh, he's done a lot for the sport here in New Zealand, and we're paying tribute to him this morning. Now, what's the connection here, lads? Uh, Kenny, this is Eric Clapton. What's the connection with a Kenny?
3: Uh, uh, the, con- the, the connection here is uh, this song was written by and features Kenneth, Babyface Edmonds.
5: Oh, there you go. Kenny Edwards, fantastic. There you go. Um, really really sad to hear that news this morning. I know um, Staffy this afternoon has got a few uh, things lined up to pay tribute to the great man Kenny McFadden. Um, we're coming up four minutes past 11 here. SCNZ, Sam Hewitt sitting in for Smithy. Um, he should be back on Monday. Um, normal transmission will resume what are we going to do this hour we're going to talk very shortly to Chris I've um, got a lot of football to talk about including a, a very surprising result um, which has just come across our desk we'll talk about that very very shortly we're going to catch up with Daryl McLaughlin um, as part of our Greyhound Racing interview and of course we'll uh, have Stump by Smithy we'll Stump by Sammy today isn't it um, $50 TB bonus bet up for grabs and some sleep drops um, if you can make it past me behind the stumps, some good categories as well, I've been told, by Logan. So that's coming up uh, after 11.30. But we're going to chat some football now, and uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome into the show Chris milicic He's a, a football correspondent extraordinaire, but he's also a coach. He's been involved in the New Zealand scene for a number of years, and uh, he's on the line now. Welcome into the show, Chris.
8: morning, Sam, how
5: are you? I'm doing very well, mate. Now, um, I've got a lot of football I want to talk to you about, but something that's just come across my desk uh, in the last 10 or so minutes, a very surprising result in the World Cup qualifiers this morning.
9: Italy lose possession, and it's worth a crack!
7: It's just astonishing! North Macedonia strike it out in time! stands at the Renzo Barbera. The former Palermo player, Tchaikovsky, with the sweetest hit you can imagine. And one of the great, great upsets, but they're checking it now.
5: North Macedonia beating Italy 1-0 in the World Cup qualifiers. That means Italy will miss their second consecutive FIFA World Cup that's remarkable chris
8: that is beyond remarkable uh, that is that is like i don't know amateurs playing top class world class players and it just should not have happened so wow it just shows in football no um the bottom team or the lesser team can easily win a game if they get everything right
5: on the day. Absolutely. So Italy who are the, actually the current Euro champions as well remember they won yeah. in uh, 2020 they, that how did the World cup that's just a, that's just um that's quite remarkable as well consecutively too. I mean missing one is one thing but missing two back to back especially after they were so dominant you know 15 or, or 20 years ago. Um sticking with World Cup qualifiers Chris the All um, this morning beat New Caledonia 7-1 they are just cruising um, through that World Cup qualifi- uh, qualification campaign which is probably expected but um, can you see them tripping up at all or is it pretty much going to be an easy route to this uh, CONCACAF intercontinental playoff well, they've got to play?
8: Yeah, if they were going to trip up I think they'd have tripped up in one of the first two games uh, when they had such a uh, diverse group coming in because it have got players coming in left, right and centre from all around the world now it's starting to get to the more solid what you recognise as the all-white group and I can't see them tripping up in a semi-final or a final, but as you've just said about North Macedonia, <laughs> anything could happen, you know. Uh, but I think that Danny and the team uh, have done a lot of really good work over the last sort of 12, 18 months, built a brand new sort of confident professional team, and... All things being equal, they shouldn't slip up in the qualifiers.
5: If they do make the, um, or if they do win the final, they're to take on the uh, fourth-ranked team and conquer which is looking like Panama at the moment. I know they've still got a few games to play, but Panama and then sitting around them is Costa Rica, El Salvador. The All Whites they'd be pretty happy with that, wouldn't they? Avoiding the bigger teams like Mexico, USA, and Canada. Could, do you think they could take a Panama or a Costa Rica?
8: Well, it's a one-off game. This isn't a home-and-away thing because of the COVID environment we're in. So it's a one-off game. So that increases the odds of the All-Whites winning significantly. Uh, the second thing is, of course, we're not having to play you know the best team in any other confederation. This is probably the confederation that, in most people's eyes, would be the next weakest on top of Oceana. Um, and if you took out Mexico, as we saw last time in the, one of the qualifiers, when we've had to play Mexico, it becomes, they're, just, they're just far superior to us. The US is probably that, but I would have said Canada. I know Canada's having a great World Cup qualifying run, but uh, I would think we could have a go against them, but certainly with the the teams you mentioned in that echelon, uh, we would certainly be fairly confident going into that, because the key thing about this game, as long as we have 50-50 chance of winning, then it comes down to the intangibles, and I often think that, I remember the Portugal coach said to me once when we just got beat one at the World Cup, he said to me, Kiwis, basically, he wished everybody had the sort of heart desire of a Kiwi player that just kept going no matter what. And even when they're outclassed, they'll just keep going. They don't give up. So that if we can bring the Kiwi intangibles into that environment, then there's a chance we can win that game. What a more than even chance we can win that game.
5: The, uh, you mentioned before the fact that we're not going to have the, the whole home and away um, legs. It's just going to be the one off game over in um, Qatar. I guess. What are the advantages and disadvantages of that? Obviously, the advantage of being of doing the home in a way is that you get to play in front of your crowd, which is a big advantage. But then, I guess playing it in Qatar, where they've been for the last you know few weeks, getting acclimated, is that going to be an advantage for them?
8: Look, I, I think playing in a Qatar means it's a no advantage for either side. Um, so, Al Was will be in a better situation because they've been there for quite a while and they'll feel more comfortable there. Uh, but that's not to say that the opposition they have won't spend quite a bit of time in Qatar getting ready for it as well. So that may not be as big as things, but the the key thing here is neither side has an advantage, which is key, and the home and away, of course, us going away is never an advantage, especially into a lot of countries which are quite football-crazy compared to New Zealand. In fact, the intensity they bring to it becomes a little overwhelming for a lot of the players, whereas when they come to New Zealand, they're just having a great time. So... We don't actually make it the hostile home environment that other people do. So this is a, this is a much better situation for us. Um, unlike 82, when we had to go play out in Hong Kong and had to play China, which was really odd. Um, but this is, this is a very mutual environment for both groups. And there won't be massive crowd supports for either team. Uh, and so it'll be the best team on the day, which I don't actually mind in a one-off game if they remove all the sort of... Pieces that can come in to make the team play better.
5: Yeah, I remember the um, that Peru uh, qualification last time, and when yeah. they went over to Peru, the the guys outside the hotel and the fireworks going off they <laughs> they didn't want the All Whites to to go to sleep and uh, and get any sort of uh, physical advantage. So uh, yeah, interesting. We're not going to have that this time round. Um, what do you think the World Cup's going to be like this year, Chris? Obviously in Qatar, very hot. Um, it's at the end of the year because of that. Following a very difficult few years for international sport, football in particular, is it going to be, I guess, as, as big as previous World Cups?
8: Well, I, personally, I think FIFA's made a horrendous error here, sticking it in a period inside competitions. Mm. So you're talking most of the world, you know, the 120 professional leagues around the country, around the world, they're generally running them. Um, Players are getting paid an awful lot of money by clubs. We may not see the very best players made available for for the thing because of injury and quote marks. Um, I, I think it's pandering to the money, pandering to whatever happened, and I think they've made a fundamental error here. And I'm hoping that this becomes a catalyst for a complete restructure of the World Cup. We go back to a bit of a leaner World Cup that allows the best players and the best teams to come through. I mean, they're talking about expanding it, and you go, well, how big, how big? So, look, I think it won't be the level of excitement we have now because you're talking about fans that are fully into their club program, suddenly have to stop, go to a World Cup, yeah. in or out, come back to the club program. It, it becomes very dislocated for fans, players, coaches, because the thing on when it's generally in June, July... They've come out of their club, you can get them really focused on what they're doing, a separate campaign, their fitness levels are all correct, you can work on what's going on, you can freshen them up. This is coming in a situation where they've already played a hunk of a season, they, they're already into how their teams play, and then you suddenly bring them out of club environments, 18 or 20 of them, and suddenly go, well, we're actually going to play like a national team. Um, there will be little... Windows leaning into that World Cup where you can get them right. I, I think we'll see at the end of this World Cup um, somebody from FIFA admitting that the dates was a bad error.
5: Yeah, and I know too. You know the some of the other things going on with uh, the rules in Qatar. Like I know you can't yeah. have alcohol, and um, they are relaxing the rules, but only for people that have purchased hospitality package uh, packages in the stadium. So, you know, not that not that it's all about the, the booze, but there's just things like that that also take away from the fan experience as well.
8: Well, my question is, Heineken's one of the biggest sponsors, and these are things How How's that going to work? You know, from yeah. a business point of view, FIFA must be just. Wondering that the, the people who are on the bottom, you know, the, the marketing team, all that must be going, how are we going to make the? I mean, how can Heineken have signed around a Qatar Stadium, and how can they do the hospitality tents around places and invite things? And I yeah, oh. just, I don't know. It's, I'd love to know why the decision was made for Russia and Qatar, but us um, mere mortals are nowhere near those <laughs> sort of decisions. But the reality is, if, uh, it's one of it is the biggest money generating events in the world by miles um billions and billion dollars it generates funds the whole you know the system and suddenly that's being put at risk for a probably what is a political decision and i think that um a lot of people are unhappy i know the whole of europe's unhappy you way for heads are unhappy and so i don't think we'll see it again so hopefully we we get to the situation. I know as a fan that if someone said you go to Russia or Qatar watch a World Cup, it was probably the first time ever I went, I
7: ain't
5: going. <laughs> yeah, so It's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out uh, come November. Chris, um, just before we let you go, mate, a bit of a change of tact. Uh, the National League uh, starts today in New Zealand, but a bit of a revamped National League, isn't it? What exactly is the uh, is the format um, for this year? How's it all changed? Yeah, look, it's, it has changed.
8: Well, they, they tried it last year and it, and it sort of COVID sort of killed it. So what you have is you've got 12 teams and three regional leagues across the country, so about 36 teams. Um, they're all playing in their regional competition and then the top four out of Auckland, the top four out of Wellington, well, the top three out of Wellington plus the Wellington Phoenix Reserves and two out of uh, South Island come together to play a one-round national league at the end. So really and truly what's happening is that they call it the national league, but right now it's still a regional league. The National League will start September, I think it is, when they find the top 10 qualifiers from around the country right. to play a one-round competition.
5: Right, that makes sense. And uh, you're coaching Takapuna this year, uh, my friend. Uh, how, how are they looking? How are, your, how are your stocks, and what are you guys expecting for 2022?
8: Yeah, yeah, last year was funny. I went and did a favour for a mate, and we ended up getting promotions. So now we're up to <laughs> the Premier League. Yeah. And so things have got to be um, a little bit different. We'll be competitive. Where we sit where we finish is not know. it's unknown. I mean, the club hasn't been in the Premier League for a long time. And in fact, it was said to me that we haven't back in the National League since 1981. But that was in the old club day National League where it was a proper National League. So we've, we've retained a lot of the players from last year who did so well. One of the key things for me as a coach is when you're at a club, you're building the club. You're not building the team. It's a, it's a, it's a subtle difference, but you've got to make sure that the team continues to evolve and gets better. And if for some reason I choose to leave, the whole team doesn't fall over, and I think that's really important. I see too many coaches come in, bring a whole bunch of players, and try to change. Do okay, they leave, players leave, and the club gets relegated. I don't see the point to that. Yeah. So my my motto is more to the case that I'm going to continue to evolve and build the club from within. Albeit I've bought in probably five players in key positions that should add um, experience and ability within key roles within the team. So I think we'll be competitive. But the last two weeks of COVID and injuries, I'm not even sure we'll be competitive tomorrow. But we'll see what happens.
5: Good stuff, Chris. Mate, um, really appreciate you jumping on the show uh, this morning, mate. Go well and uh, good luck for this weekend and the rest of the
8: season. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate that.
5: There you go. Chris milicic there. Uh, he's coaching Takapuna, um, the first team playing in the Northern League. That's a tough league you know, Auckland City, Eastern Suburbs Birkenhead United, there's a lot of history there, a lot of very very talented footballers very talented footballers um, so uh, good luck to Chris, I'm sure he'll do a great job he's a great footballing mind uh, it is 17 minutes past 11 here on SCNZ. we'll take a small break when we come back uh, Daryl McLaughlin as uh, part of our Greyhound Racing Series
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
5: Kenny G. Summertime here, yeah. twenty two past eleven on SENZ. What a sultry tune. To play for you Friday morning Uh, We are honouring Kenny McFadden That's our Kenny theme for the morning Um, The sad passing of Kenny McFadden A a basketball legend in New Zealand Um, Yeah, just really sad to see him go Um, Very lucky now to be uh, joined by uh, Greyhound um, Icon, I guess you'd say Daryl McLaughlin, he's a, he's an owner. He's owned some outstanding dogs over the years. Uh, and now you all know out there that I am a, a greyhound novice. So I'm going to need Daryl to enlighten me and educate me a little bit. But he joins the show now. Uh, morning to you, Daryl.
8: How are
12: you? Very good well. To, good, good, good to be on the show.
5: Yeah, good to have you, mate. Good to have you. Now, uh, tell me a little bit about how you got involved with greyhounds in the beginning. How did it all start for you?
12: I guess um, it was probably about three... Five years ago, I can't even remember it so long ago. Um, I was involved, I've been a, all my life. So, you know, since I was seven years of age. So it's been a long time, 50, probably two, three years. Um, when I had my first bet, Riverton, um, in the, down in the South Island. But um, through um, a friend of mine and school buddy Dave Bay, he, uh, we had a couple of harness horses together and um my father was involved back then when he was alive and dave decided that uh, he would give the harness up and go back to greyhound um training that he had back um pre uh the old equalizer days and that so um that's basically how it came about and uh sort of Carried on from there.
5: <laughs> Brilliant. What What about the dogs? Appeals to you, Daryl, as opposed to you know your harness or your thoroughbreds. What What, what gets you going about the dogs?
12: Um, I guess to be honest, uh, well, my first love was always harness racing, um, and uh, Dave offered me a dog once, and it was a sprinter. So they raced over two ninety five meters, and he said, "Look, I've got a share in this dog for you if you want to take it." I said, "Oh, okay." Um, after the race he said what did you think of it and I said wow it was over pretty quick I said probably not really my cup of tea he said I oh, don't worry he said we've got a um, you know, middle distance races as well and some distance races um, he said maybe we look out for a, a middle distance dog and uh, I said oh yeah I'd be pretty keen and he had a dog in mind for a, a mutual friend and Glenn, Glenn Goodwin from Australia that we uh he basically gave me them online, really, um, on a greyhound chat um, um, page or something. And there was a dog offered to us uh, through the chat by the name, I think it was Mick Abbott at the time. Um, it was very expensive, uh, what I thought it was back then, um, that thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars. And um, I basically said uh, I'd be. On it, but it was a bit more than one I wanted to pay. He says, "Oh, he says "Um, that's all good if you don't want to buy it." He says, "Um, "I'll just buy it a whole lot myself." So that obviously got the got the alarm bells ringing, and I thought, "Gee, I need probably need to buy this." I'd hate to be missing out on something, and it was a very good dog called Egyptian Gold. It won a couple of Group Two races, and we we sort of trebled our money, if not more. So that was sort of the bug from there on. That was the start of it.
5: Mm. And I know you've had some, mm. uh, some pretty special dogs over the years, Dale. Talk to us about some of your favourites. I know you had uh, Winsome Ashley, who's you know, one of the best we've ever had in New Zealand and uh, still holds the 527-metre track record at Manukau. Tell us about some of the other ones that you've had across the years.
12: Oh, yes. Well, I guess at the end of the day, um, straight after Egyptian Gold, I was lucky enough to be offered a dog again through Glenn Goodwin and a, Kenny, and a chap by the name of Kenny Howe in uh, Sydney called Willie Watt and um, again I think back in those days it was like about $25,000 I think which was a lot of money. Um, All these were brought unbeknownst to my wife um, and such and um, I was always a bit nervous about that because um, of the amount of money uh, we were outlaying for it but I still remember Willie Watt. He was, he got, he won Greyhound of the Year. He probably one of the only greyhounds I've ever had that's won on every track he raced on um he won a he won a derby for me uh once and it's always been a passion of mine to to win derbies um one more question, but there man. was a wee bit of a story to that um a well-known journalist and um avid greyhound <laughs> racing man <laughs> uh, and Peter Fenimore was standing beside me at Addington Raceway when it uh had its first start and I'd paid all this money for this particular dog and, um, jumped out of the boxes and, uh, on the first bend, it fell over. Oh. And, I basically went from, uh, I'm a ginger, like Dave, um, from being a red to, to white in a, in a, in a very short oh, time. Oh, so I was incredibly, um, nervous, A, for the dog, of course, but also B, um, if it had sustained any injuries and, uh, That time, Um, And and it hadn't And it went on to win Greyhound of the Year So Mm. he was a very special dog To me Um, I guess I've had a couple of really nice Stayers in in my time One was Oyston Spice And it was a bit like the old Swift Fantasy It would race over the 770 Or 765 or whatever it Was back then Um, And it would drop out And be 5 or 6 lengths behind them And just run around them and win So that was always a good thrill um and you know, I guess yeah, um you've alluded to Winston Ashley she was probably the the pick of the bunch by far uh, she was an incredible um greyhound um unbelievable really, and I was lucky enough um to buy that from uh Minnie Finn and john Finn in, a, in Australia at that particular time uh, Robin Wales was a big fan of the Winson dogs and I'm not too sure how that one. He is a mate of mine, and he owns all the Opara racing uh, dogs. Um, it slipped under his radar, and I was lucky enough to purchase it. And of course, it uh, went on to to win numerous races. Um, and you know, its career was cut short by injury. But we we would never have raced it much more than than uh, than the start that it had. I think it was. Between twenty-five and thirty, um, in the fact that they, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really positive in the fact that if, if a bitch has too many starts, it, it won't leave a lot of good dogs. And uh, we use that theory and put it into practice, and Winston actually left some uh, nice dogs that are mm. still racing today. Um, you know, one being uh, Ginger Rango, um, Ginger winger. Um, so Mandy Junior, you know, we've I um, mean sorry, um, that sort of line. So we've been lucky all the way through and she left a horse called uh, sorry, horse a dog called Ginger Power, who then went on to leave other dogs. She was a stayer and uh, and those those dogs are involved with Robin Wales and Dave Bahey, so that's how it sort of continues on today even.
5: Man, that's remarkable, remarkable, uh, Daryl. And, mate, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you all afternoon. Unfortunately, we have to get to news, and we've, uh, we've got some other stuff coming up as well. But I really appreciate coming on, mate, and sharing some of your, some of your stories about, about your dogs and how much you love greyhound racing. It's awesome. So uh, thanks heaps for coming on the show.
12: Absolutely fantastic sport.
5: Thanks for having me on. No worries. There you go. Daryl McLaughlin there, um, a Greyhound Racing owner, one of the, I guess, icons of the industry, um, coming on to talk about some of his dogs. Right, we've got news coming up very shortly. And after news, Stumped by Sammy, your chance to win $50 in TAB bonus bets as well as some sleep drops. Call now 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We're going to play Stumped by Sammy after the news
9: by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
0: That's right. Smithy is back on Monday. Today for Stumped, we have behind the wickets Sam Hewitt for another appearance.
5: Sammy, you got the call up, mate. I just got to know, how's your mindset going into this matchup? Well, what did he just say there about um, there's no one better behind the stumps than um, Ian Smith yeah it's very true I mean I'm I am the backup I'm the ring I'm the like I told you when I played cricket at high school I was a bat at 11 don't bowl type so um, you know real fielding all rounder I called myself fielding all rounder so yeah no, I'm yeah, a little bit nervous that's Logan.
0: generous okay alright the callers might be getting a bit excited about that one here and there. Up for grabs today is $50 worth of TAB bonus bets plus some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us at the crease is Kerry from Manawatu, the mighty Manawatu. Come in, Kerry.
2: Yeah, hi, guys.
0: How you doing, mate? How's it going down there today?
9: Oh, we're pretty wet, man. We've been waiting for two days, but we're all good. all good.
0: Nice. As long as you're safe and sound, that's what we want to hear. So for any new listeners, this is how the game works. We have three sporting categories to choose from today. Uh, Answer all three questions correctly, then you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, it's over to my man Sammy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out within the first two questions, then it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we will jackpot on Monday. Today's topics are ice hockey, soccer football, and Formula One, take your pick, <laughs> Kerry. Um, I'm
5: going go Formula
0: One. Go please. on. Ooh. Ooh. It's right in
5: my wheelhouse, Kerry. Bring it on, brother.
0: <laughs> Did you know that, Kerry? Did you know that Sam is a massive
5: punishing uh, Formula One fan? No, nah, I
7: didn't have a clue. No, but the thing <laughs> is, I,
5: I'm, I'm like a real plastic bandwagon. I only jumped on in the last four months. So anything historical, I'll probably be terrible at. Oh, okay. We Goodbye well for
0: you, Kerry. You might, you might be in with a chance here, Kerry. All the best to your first question. Name the track where the British Grand Prix is held.
6: Silverstone. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot and away it goes. Easy.
0: You're looking a bit bitter about that one there, Sammy. You oh, know? I just wish you got it wrong. I was ready <laughs> to go. Okay. Question number two for you, Kerry. Due to COVID, the Australian Grand Prix hasn't been held since 2019. Who won it that year?
2: Um. I'll go Hamilton.
10: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: 2019. <laughs> Surprisingly, not a race that Lewis Hamilton
5: won. Who won, Sammy? 2019. Casting my mind back to 2019. It might feel like 10 years ago. Yeah, it does. Um panicking. I'm panicking. Uh, Sebastian Vettel?
10: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: You're still alive, Kerry. The correct answer is Valtteri Bottas. I should have known that. For Mercedes. The Finn. And uh, hey, Australian Grand Prix set for uh, April 10th this year. Brilliant. Bring it on. Bring it on. Last question for you, Kerry. All up for grabs still. Brendan Hartley was the most recent Kiwi to race in Formula 1. Here's the historical question: Who was the first Kiwi to race in Formula One?
9: Oh, the first one, um,
6: Alexander McLaren. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and the it goes.
5: Boom! There you
0: go.
6: Well, I gotta
10: know,
5: would you have had that one,
6: Sammy? Yeah, Bruce well, McLaren, I would have said
10: Bruce McLaren. McLaren.
5: I just would have said Bruce McLaren. I didn't know if it was correct or not, but I would have said that. So, <laughs> well done, Kerry mate. I had the gloves ready to go. I was just waiting for a little, uh, you Slip. know, yeah, a little bit of turn, a little bit of turn, get away from the bat, and away you go. But uh, well done, mate. Hold the line, Kerry well, mate.
0: Fifty dollars TAB you. bonus bets hitting your way to your account, and some sleep drops, daytime revive. Brian will
5: get you details. Congratulations. Yeah nice good stuff Kerry um, do you carry those categories over to Monday or I have to tip? say
0: both the soccer football and ice hockey categories have been sitting there for about a week really yeah so
5: will you carry them over till Monday uh, potentially or, I, I, I might come up with new ones on the weekend we'll see Well, I was just thinking why don't we just, why don't we do those ones just a little bit of <laughs> you and me right yeah. now well I mean you probably know the answers but I we can test myself maybe we get Brian involved what are your ice hockey ones? Or do you want to save it If you want to save them, you save them. We'll we'll save them. I, I mean, okay. it's a little unfair for me to try it, and Brian's probably heard them as well. So. Okay, okay, we'll save them. We'll save them. Maybe you give them to me uh, in the break. Uh, there you go. Stumped by uh, Sammy. And uh, Kerry gets the chocolates today. Uh, didn't give me much of a chance. Although I, I should have got Bottas, really. You know, if it wasn't Lewis, of course it was going to be his teammate. But 2019 does feel like a long time ago. Um, and, yeah, you remember 2020, it got cancelled right at the last minute, didn't it? Um, I remember that because I was uh,
0: working uh, at News Corp Australia at the time and, you know, we're getting all the videos of people lined up at the gates waiting to come in. And then the big news came in, Dan Andrews locks down Melbourne and that was it.
5: Yeah, and I remember them turning all the fans away. People weren't happy because they were like, why, what's going on? And um, it was right when – and actually, um, I had to remember this for staff's show, um, the 25th of March, 2019, it has been three years to the day since we went into lockdown. That's sad. 25th of March. Was it 2019 or 2020? (laughs) It's been two or three years. It's crazy how how we've forgotten Uh, that. Yeah, 2020, two years. Two years. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's been two years to the day since New Zealand went into level four lockdown. Man, where has that time gone? Where has that time gone? Um, Formula One this weekend too in Jeddah, the um, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. uh, And talking to Luke Smith earlier in the show, if you missed that, you can go check it out in the podcast. Um, Hoping. From my point of view, for another Ferrari one-two, but the Red Bull, are they coming back? You know, after last weekend, have they got the problems right with the car? Um, are they going to finish the race? I actually mentioned this on Monday. It's quite remarkable, isn't it, that 57 laps at Bahrain, and someone like Chico Perez went out on the final lap. It's like, had the race been 58, do you reckon he would have done it on the 58th lap? If it had been 54, would have he been fine? Like, it's so funny how those things happen on the last lap. Like the fuel goes, or the engine goes, or remember Charles Leclerc was in box position for that Grand Prix last year. Was it last year or two years ago? And uh, and had the um, engine problem right at the death. It's pretty funny how it sort of it just seems to happen at the end. I really I,
0: so. I I know you're massive into Formula One because you've watched Drive to Survive. Yeah, I go. I haven't had the time to see it, and I know there's what four seasons now. So yeah. We'll see. We'll test. I'll, I'll give it a shot, and we'll see if I then turn into a massive F1 fan too. At the moment, though, you're like you're against it. oh no, I'm not against. I used to be into Formula One when I was younger. Yes, um, you know, obviously Michael Schumacher those years. I was Same into as me. Yeah.
5: yeah, yeah. I was I was into it big as a kid, and I remember asking mum and dad for the video games, and I used to play those heaps. Um, but then yeah, went off it for years and years, and I think for most people, the last eight years it hasn't been fun to watch because you've got Lewis Hamilton winning every world championship the cars have been um, there's been such a big disparity between top and bottom but this year if we led to believe and Bahrain was a good sign much closer field the cars are more regulated so they're sort of all relatively similar um, and you should get much closer results which is great for the sport because it keeps you interested um, and it keeps you wanting to watch every weekend so Formula 1 yeah alright how me, good how good 19 minutes away from midday here um, Steph's coming up next we might catch up with him in the next 15 minutes or so um, but yeah we'll, uh, we'll take a short break we'll be back after this
4: this is mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
5: coming up uh, 40 minutes away from 12 here on SCNZ. Sam Hewitt filling in for Smithy until he's back on Monday on the Monday Um remember Last chance, I think it's only about five days left, to jump on the SCNZ Radio, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram pages and send us a DM with the words, The Race. With a chance to win a 0.5% share of Self Assured. If Self Assured wins The Race at Cambridge on April 14, one lucky winner will walk away with 0.5% of the winnings, which is... About 2000 bucks, I think, which is very tidy. So just jump on our social media pages and te- uh, text us, send us a message. The race, that's all you need to do. Um, got a text in here from Jared um, just after the panel who said, Morning, Sam. Great to hear Hayden back on the radio. Funny man, he and Devlin were a scream. Yeah, they were, I loved them on radio together. Actually grew up, well, not grew up with them, but listened to them during my teenage years. Absolutely loved it. Um, Haydos is a good man. Um, I'm over cricket, Jared says. Go the Warriors and Ferrari. You are speaking my language, Jared. You are speaking my language. Um, Talking of the Warriors, they're playing tonight against the West Tigers, 8 o'clock at Campbelltown. Uh, $1.73 to the Tigers, $2.07. I just thought I'd run through the NRL games uh, and give you a few picks, eh? give you a few tips. Uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs, Sydney Roosters, the Sydney Derby is on after the Warriors tonight at 10.05. That is always a very heated clash. I think even um, Beeve on the run home was saying the other night about how he was in a bar in Sydney with some Roosters boys and in walked some rabbitos guys and just nothing. No communication. They really don't like each other. So um, I'm I'm picking the Roosters. To be honest, I think both those teams, the Roosters and the Rabbitohs, uh, are two teams that once they start to get things right, they will they will be in the top four. Um, the Rabbitohs maybe not. They might be sort of fifth or sixth, but both them and the Roosters, once they start to click and those teams get going, they have a lot of talent, and they'll find their way back up to the top. So I think the Roosters, um, I think they get it done tonight against South Sydney, and um, they're paying a dollar fifty nine to South Sydney two thirty. But I could, you know, I could just as easily if South Sydney turn up in a big way, could see them um, getting the win as well. Um, tomorrow night, Penrith and Newcastle at five. Um, you know, Newcastle are looking really, really good. They're paying two dollars ninety now. My head says Penrith. Um, I see Nathan Cleary and Liam Martin have all been, and James Fisher Harris have all been ruled out permanently, so they're not going to be there. But Newcastle, that's sort of the fairy tale team right now, um, paying two dollars ninety. Um, they could they cause an upset, maybe, maybe. But my head says Penrith. Uh, Melbourne, Parramatta uh, tomorrow night at seven thirty. Melbourne will win that, I think, um, quite easily. Uh, and then nine thirty, uh, Canberra v the Gold Coast and Canberra $1.74, Gold Coast at $2 once again it's it's semi hard to pick, I mean I'm leaning towards the Gold Coast leaning towards the Gold Coast tipping up Canberra, I think the Canberra are really going to struggle this year, I don't think they'll make the 8 the way they're playing at the moment, they're definitely not going to make the eight. And uh, Sunday games, uh, Broncos playing the Cowboys Sunday at six o'clock. Uh, Broncos at a dollar fifty, Cowboys at two fifty five. I think the Broncos get that one done. Um, good battle between Payne Haas and Jason Tomalolo. And then Manly Bulldogs Sunday night eight fifteen. You've got to say Manly on paper, Manly on paper. But gosh, they've been terrible to start the season. They've been terrible to start the season, and the Bulldogs have been good. So. You've got to pick Manly, I think, but the Bulldogs are a chance. They are a chance. There you go. Uh, NRL over the weekend will be here on ECN as well, ECN we NRL Nation. Cannot wait. Uh, coming up 10 to 12, when we come back, we we'll have a chat with Mark Stafford, see what's coming up after 12.
12: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191.